0: you are listening to feral attraction hosted by metrico and vero the science collie on this week's show we open with a discussion on how frequent sex might lead to better relationships our main topic is on anal sex 101 what steps should a beginner take to enjoy their anal experience koji our resident anal expert stops by to offer advice We close out the show with a panel of questions on various topics. Hello again, and welcome to Feral Attraction. I'm Metrico. And
1: I'm Vera the Science Collie. And with me this week is our uh, co-partner in crime and audio engineer, Cody Fox. Hello. Rawr.
0: Yay. Yay, it's finally happening. It's happening. We're getting a show with Koji. Yes, yes
1: our, our our move has been a bit disruptive of certain things, including foxes, but we now do have our fox back in the studio. <laughs>
0: And you finally got your uh, your U-Haul shipment. We did. Our apartment,
1: our apartment is covered in, in random uh, possessions right Degree, now. I'll
2: call
3: it.
1: Unfortunately, because of that, we have not quite dug out our good audio setup yet, so please bear with us. The audio quality is still pretty terrible. It's but,
3: entirely my fault. I forgot which box the damn microphone is in.
1: It wasn't even supposed to be in a box, but Cody decided to pack it because he's a fox.
3: <laughs> I know, I accidentally brought your fursuit head with us, but I accidentally didn't bring the microphone. Good job. So I bought the useless (laughs) thing, but forgot the useful thing.
1: Yeah. Well, next week we'll be back to usual. Hopefully. Yeah.
0: And again, you know, it's apologies on my end. You're going to continue to hear the ambiance of New York city. You know, the city that never sleeps, the cars that have no mufflers, the, why do you have a dirt bike in New York city? Uh, (laughs) You're going to hear all that fun stuff from me. Unfortunately, there's no way that I can do it. So enjoy if I just start yelling because it annoys me. (laughs) I I don't miss that. I don't miss that, (laughs) Patrico. Well, to be fair, I think you've had it a little bit better than I did. Um, I live pretty much right on a fairly uh, major thoroughfare, through fair, rather, uh, for Brooklyn. So it's a little bit aggravating, but understandable. What can you do? Yeah. But anywho, um, we're pretty excited for this show. Um, It's been a popularly recrusted one. A lot of questions, a lot of content to get through. But um, there was a study that came out back in April, uh, the 26th of April, and it was published in the Association for Psychological Science. And it posed the question, does frequent sex lead to better relationships? Um, The answer was, uh, depends on how you ask and this was uh, written the lead author on the paper was lindsey l hicks of florida state university and what they found was that uh the frequency with which couples have sex has no influence on whether or not they report being happy with their relationship and we thought this was fairly interesting because a lot of people will cite the fact that they're not having enough sex as being the linchpin for their relationship failing and this seems to somewhat counter, you know, uh, contradict that 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 idea, that argument. Um, what the article did uh, what the journal did have to say though, was that sexual frequency does influence more spontaneous automatic and gut level feelings um, about their partners. So if you think about word association, if you were to think of the word good or happy or awesome, the more sex that you have it's feasible that you would associate those words with your partner or the idea of being happy with your partner so I thought that was fairly interesting um, the journal the study itself uh, employed a few different methods across a wide spectrum of testes mostly heterosexual um, but what they found was that if you have more sex overall, what's going to happen is you're just going to have more instinctual gut feeling. Like, I don't know how to phrase it, but like more gut feeling, positive thoughts about your partner. Whereas if you have less frequent sex, you tend to not associate your partner with, with the more positive aspects and feelings and fuzzy wubby, you know, lovey-dovey stuff. So it could be that, that is the, because the if you have a sexual decline in your relationship, it's not sexual frustration. It could just be the fact that you no longer associate your partner with those, with those ideas, those concepts. Um, we do link to the article in full, um, within our show notes. So give it a check. Uh, it's actually really interesting. Um, I know that for a lot of people, they do feel that, uh, healthy sexual relationship is critical for them being in a positive, long lasting relationship. So this would be something that I would recommend you check out if you want to look at perhaps the study behind why that might be.
1: And thank you so much for finding this article and highlighting it for us, uh, especially for this week's show, Metrico, because I think it does dovetail very nicely with our main topic, which is, um, you know, for gay males and for others uh, who enjoy having receptive anal sex, um, you know, kind of the stuff we're going to be talking about this week really gets into how to have that kind of fulfilling sex life that um, that earlier study was kind of talking about. So uh, perhaps we should just dive right into that.
0: Right. So this is probably one of our more popularly requested topics. We've gotten a lot of questions about it. So there's going to be a rather heavy question section on this episode, but the question is, especially for younger furs, for younger gays, for really anybody that's young and experienced in sex, because anal sex is not just a gay thing. Everybody enjoys it. Straight men enjoy it. Straight women enjoy it. Everybody, you know, there's there's no um, demographic that exclusively has control over anal sex. But
1: Right. And I kind of want to just highlight for a minute, um, to kind of drive that point home a statistic that uh, Dan Savage likes to throw out fairly often, I find it kind of amusing because it's totally true, that there are more straight people who have anal sex than there are gay people who have anal sex, (laughs) simply because there are a lot of straight people. And even though only a fraction of them enjoy anal sex, there's still more of them than there are gay people. So that's kind of fun to think about. Um, But, you know, we also do get a lot of questions like, why would you want to have anal sex? Isn't that painful? Isn't that uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Can we get that more from, I think, heterosexual male uh, furries and others uh, who ask that kind of question. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of reasons. Number one, um, internally stimulating the prostate if you're a male is very pleasurable for a lot of men. It's not pleasurable for everyone, but it's pleasurable for a lot of people who have prostates. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, uh, there's a psychological uh, benefit that a lot of uh, males who kind of get off on fantasies of being the receptive partner during sex really enjoy that aspect of anal sex even if it isn't very physically pleasurable. And they can also enjoy the compersionate pleasure that they're giving to their partner who is topping them. So that's all the reasons for a male to might enjoy anal sex. Uh, If you are a female, uh, you actually have uh, clitoral wings that kind of extend back into your body. People like to think about the clitoris as being the main source of, you know, the love button for females who enjoy sex. But they're actually that organ extends quite far back into Uh, a a woman's body, and can actually be stimulated Mm -hmm. indirectly through either uh, vaginal or uh, anal intercourse. So those tissues Mm -hmm. can be stimulated and feel um, quite nice. Uh, If you're a male and that doesn't quite make sense to you, you can kind of think about what it would be like if your penis were an innie rather than an outie. That's essentially what uh, females have going on. So they kind of have what is analogous to penile tissue that extends backwards uh, into their bodies that can be stimulated indirectly via vaginal or anal intercourse. So females can also find anal sex pleasurable, uh, in addition to the reasons that I mentioned for men besides obviously the prostate stimulation. So uh, everybody can enjoy anal sex is basically the take-home. Though not everyone will. Some people just don't like it. And that's totally right. fine, too. I
3: am envious right. of those vaginal wings.
1: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh,
3: where can I pick up a pair of those? <laughs> They're like
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't think, think you can pick them off the shelf. Yeah, I don't think they're like water wings. Where if you're trying to like learn how to <laughs> swim, you just like put some inflatables on your arm. Or <laughs> when you're a kid and you're getting on an airplane for the first time, you are like, "Oh, here, have some vaginal
3: wings."
1: Right. <laughs> now, if you do have a uh, sex reassignment uh, type surgery, they actually can sort of if kind of they're doing male to female gender uh, reassignment, you can actually have that sort of thing happen. So if you're Mm -hmm. um, having a kind of uh, pseudo uh, vagina installed, uh, that can be sort of having those wings kind of put into you. But obviously, that's a bit of an extreme step to take if you are not uh, someone who has gender dysphoria or gender identity uh, issues. So we'll leave that as an exercise for others to address. Uh, But I think kind of talking about besides just the basic biology of how you can enjoy receptive intercourse if you don't have, um, you know, the parts that, you know, the female parts that are generally, you know, biologically for that purpose. Uh, How do you get ready for anal sex? What can you do to kind of get yourself to a place where you can do this comfortably and safely? And I think there are a few things that you need to keep in mind. Um, The first one, and this is just kind of really huge, Um, is almost as important as communication is for example for non-monogamous relationships we talk about all the time as being kind of the core concept i think the kind of core theme for anal sex is going to be lubrication and we're going to hit that a number of times but when in doubt use way more lube than you think Um, always use lubricant especially if you haven't had a lot of anal sex before you want to make sure that you're using plenty and by plenty we mean like way more than you think you need like excessive amounts of lubrication
3: yeah it's not digital it's not a one or a zero it's not like oh well i put lube on therefore it will be okay oh no 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 always put on more than you think you're going to need
1: and reapply it if you ever have an issue where you're you're slipping out or anything like that before going back in good opportunity to reapply lube even if you don't think you need to just do it it's going to make things go uh well way more smoothly
3: especially with uh water-based lubes because they can actually dry out quickly and need to be rehydrated by reapplying more or actually getting it wet.
0: No, you know, bef- be- before we kind of get into, like, the different types of lube, I do want to kind of uh, make a disclaimer. Don't use flavored lubricants. Um, the reason that you do that, uh, flavored lubricants tend to contain some kind of a sugar, some kind of sucrose or fructose, and that's how you get a yeast infection. <laughs> that's how you introduce, I mean it's kind of gross to think about but like the anal cavity itself. Like it has, it's a living ecosystem and you don't want to introduce anything that's sugary because it will result in infections. It will result in just really bad times for you. So there are really two types of lubricant that we would highly recommend that you use, or really that you should only use. Um, those would be silicone. And uh, as Koji just said, a water-based lubricant.
1: And I think whether you're using silicone-based or water-based lubricants, um, that can be a bit of a personal preference. You might want to experiment with both. Mm-hmm. Uh, my preference overall that I tend to use um, 98% of the time for anal sex would be gun oil. Uh, and gun oil makes a silicone-based lubricant that is uh, really nice. Uh, a lot of times people will ask if this is condom safe, and yes, it is. You can use it with condoms. Um and we'll link to an uh, amazon.com link where you can see more information on gun oil but it's uh pretty much pretty widely available you can buy it in stores usually as well uh Mm -hmm. but it's kind of uh, my personal go-to i've tried quite a few and that's the one that i really like uh and i think uh you're more of a fan of the water-based lubricants is that right
0: it's uh for the most part yeah it's i do tend to prefer water-based lubricants they're a little bit less uh viscous um and i find that it's a little bit easier to use um i use uh by a brand system uh, joh2o uh h2o is the brand and they have multiple different variants um i tend to just use the standard one that i link to in the show notes as well um again as koji was saying because it is a water-based lubricant you need to probably apply even more than you typically would with a silicone based but i find for me it works perfectly there's no issues. I mean, obviously, you can use it with condoms and toys and everything, and there's going to be no issues, no wear, no tear. It's just you have to apply definitely more than you thought that you would have to. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of water-based lubricants. Uh, silicone-based lubricants are great as well, but I tend to go for the water-based.
1: Yeah, a couple more pros and cons. With the silicone-based mm-hmm. lubricants, you have the advantage that they don't um, dry out as much as code you kind of alluded to earlier. Uh, you also have the advantage of them being kind of water resistant. So if you would enjoy like shower sex, things like that, um, silicone-based is a nice go-to because it's not going to wash out quite as easily as you might encounter with water-based lubricants. They don't really work well in the shower.
3: Yeah, it can also be a con of its own because silicone-based lubes are a little bit more difficult to wash off when you're done. Correct.
1: That is true. Yeah. Especially you know, your sheets, if, they, if you get lube on your sheets, everything will be slippery forever. <laughs> That's the <one> yeah. downside. <laughs> I also silicone. feel
3: that uh, silicone lubes are a little bit more difficult to purge from your body after you're done using them. Mm-hmm. And water-based lubes are much more easy for your body to handle. Yes,
1: you, you might have some GI issues if you are sensitive to silicone-based lubricants. So that's something else you might want to experiment with. Uh, and you can do that by yourself too. You don't have to wait to you're with your partner to experiment. You can try you know, lubricating, um, you know, kind of just doing a test with yourself and seeing if you, you, know, how that works if you're just going to use your fingers or mm-hmm. use a toy or something like that. One thing we will say with the silicone-based lubricants, do not mix silicone-based lubricants with silicone-based toys because the silicone will interact and it can actually cause the toy to degrade. So safe to use with things like glass toys, go ahead. Silicone-based toys, you want to be using a water-based lubricant for the most part.
0: And don't worry, we're going to get into toys in a little bit.
1: (laughs) Indeed, because toys are actually a great way to warm yourself up, uh, either well before having anal sex or as a warm-up during Mm. the lead-up to it. Uh, One more thing we're going to recommend against, and that is desensitizing lubricants. There are some lubricants out there that contain anesthetics, and I think a lot of beginners tend to gravitate towards those because they're afraid. Oh, anal sex is going to hurt. I better use a desensitizing lubricant because then it won't hurt so much. The problem with that is you can actually cause yourself a lot of damage because if, if you anesthetize the area too much, if you uh, you know numb your butt, you're not going to be able to tell if your partner's going too fast and is actually hurting you. And you might end up having a lot of pain after the fact, uh, and you can actually actually have some injury after the fact if you you use that. Uh, They also tend not to be all that effective, and they can be quite irritating. So uh, people can have allergies to the anesthetics. um, Lots of things can go wrong. So I really just don't recommend using the desensitizing lubricants pretty much at all, um, especially if you're a beginner. That If you want to try them out later on after you're experienced uh, and you know yourself pretty well and you know what pace you can handle and what angles you like and all of that kind of thing, maybe then you can try adding it to the mix. But I would not recommend starting with the desensitizing lubricants. Yeah,
3: another con of a desensitizing lubricant is the top. If they're going bare, they're not using a condom, that lube is going to make their penis numb and it will be harder for them to feel stimulation and they will be very slow to come so it can wear out the bottom if the top does not climax quickly enough.
1: which is, that can actually be a perk if you have a top if you're playing with a top who actually has the issue of climaxing too easily that can actually be where desensitizing lubricants come in uh, come in more handy yeah you can use it yeah that that's right exactly but again i think that's an advanced technique it's not where i'd, I'd recommend starting if you are an inexperienced bottom yeah
0: I, I would also recommend, especially if you're starting out uh, against using any kind of like a warming lubricant or anything of that nature, because you you don't, especially when you're beginning, you don't want to put, have any further sensations than what would be, I guess, quote unquote, natural. And if you use a warming lubricant or anything that Uh, is labeled like a his hers for his pleasure for her pleasure things of that nature then what's going to end up happening is you're going to associate those kinds of feelings with what's base with what's normal and they can be incredibly negative Uh, sometimes the warming lubricants warm up a little bit too much you can get like a burning sensation you can have an allergic reaction it's best especially if you're a beginner to just use a just plain old silicone-based lubricant or a plain old water-based lubricant, something that's simple, easy, without any additives, just as is. That way you kind of become, so you associate anal sex with the base feelings, and then from there you can add in certain things, you can test things out. But for beginners, just go with the, you know, stock model, I guess. Don't, don't you know, sissy up that butthole or anything.
3: Yep, I agree with that. I look at it as like if you're trying a new type of food or cuisine, you go to that restaurant and the first thing that you order should not be like the hottest dish with the most crazy ingredients. Like you should start out with something simple, basic, that you know like, oh, it's got chicken in it. I'm okay with that. Oh, it has these spices in it. My stomach can handle that. And then work your way up from there.
1: Right. Um, I think then moving along with kind of the materials you might need when you're getting Mm -hmm. ready for anal sex... Uh, The next one we talked about pretty extensively on our show talking about STIs and STI prevention, but you're going to want condoms because you're not going to want STIs. That's pretty basic, and we recommend always using condoms with anal sex, especially if you're with a new partner. So uh, the condoms we recommend, again, are Lifestyles Skin polyisoprene condoms, and we'll link to where you can get those on Amazon pretty easily. Uh, They're not too expensive. They're definitely going to feel a lot better than your standard you know, drugstore, um, bargain bin type condoms, uh, and they're very reliable, they have good heat transfer, they feel much more similar to not wearing a condom, so the top is going to be happier, a happier camper usually wearing those. Uh, And if you want more information on other condoms and other types of condoms that we would recommend, you can go back and check out our STI show for that information. But just the basic recommendation that will work for most people, I would say, is going to be the Lifestyle Skin Polyisoprene Condoms.
3: Yep. I look at condoms uh, the way that I look at any good experience that I want to have. If you invest properly in the experience, it is going to feel that much better for you. If you're using condoms that were thrown at you by a fabulous drag queen on Pride, those condoms, you know, they're free and they're great and they, they get the job done, but they're oftentimes a little bit thicker than necessary uh, because it needs to be one size fits all and it does not have the stimulation transfer that I prefer and it, uh, it just doesn't feel that good. So if you invest in good condoms, you will not have this stig- uh, this like bad stigma surrounding condoms of oh it never feels good when i put a condom on i don't that's why i don't wear them it's like well
1: maybe you've just been using really shitty condoms right and actually to backtrack for a second to the lubricant that goes for lubricant as well don't just buy you know the drugstore brand water-based lube and then think oh you know, this doesn't work. Anal sex is really unpleasant. You might just not be using a high enough quality lubricant as well, because the lower quality lubes tend not to be as lubricating and they also tend not to last as long. And so they'll start getting tacky and sticky and just not be a good experience for you. So again, you know, do Mm -hmm. invest in the proper materials. Sex is something you want to be able to enjoy. It's something that probably is one of the highlights of your life. So invest in it, make, buy the proper condoms, buy the proper lubricants that you're actually giving yourself the maximum chance for success.
3: Yeah, I used to use uh, Astro Glide, water-based gel, and that was good for a while until Vero introduced me to gun oil, and I described it to him as having sex in HD. <laughs> it really felt that much better. The uh, sensations were just magnified. It felt just so much better than the water base I had been previously using.
1: Yeah, so it can make a big difference, it would be the take-home message there, I think.
0: Now, you know, if you're a top and you're... You know, using condoms you're not accustomed to using condoms um one thing that we did mention in our sti episode that we'll repeat here um is put a drop of lube inside of the condom it's going to help with the heat transfer it's going to make it feel a lot nicer not not much more than a drop and it'll just roll over your dick and it's going to feel pretty amazing that's something that a lot of condoms they don't necessarily do they're fairly I mean they have lubrication inside that way it rolls onto your dick easily but if you add a little bit more it's just going to be a more pleasurable experience for you
1: and the reason for that to get a little sciencey on you as I want to do as a science colleague, is that uh, the the liquid actually serves as a heat sink and it will warm up to your body temperature so it's going to feel more like you're inserting yourself into a warm body cavity than you know like you're doing something artificial so if you if you go in dry with a condom You might not get quite as much heat transfer. You're not going to feel as natural as if you're actually inserting yourself into a person, and so the the adding a little bit of uh, lubrication can really help with that.
0: Anything more than a drop or two is going to be a little bit of overkill. You're going to kind of get lube just everywhere. So only really a drop or two. It's going to just be super nice. Put it in before you put on the condom, though. Don't stretch out the condom (laughs) and drop it in after the fact. Put it in before you put on the condom.
1: Right, yeah. And the other Um, thing to keep in mind here too is you don't want to use too much because that can actually cause condom slippage and you don't want the condom to come off inside of your partner. That would be bad for lots of reasons because then you're no longer protected and the condom is now inside of your partner, both of which are not good. So definitely uh, (laughs) less is more in this situation. Maybe uh, for you Mm -hmm. uh, nerdy furries, think about it like putting on, uh, you know, like the, the heat spreading material when you're installing a CPU um, kind of similar idea. <laughs> it's actually the exact same concept. So less is more, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you don't want to overkill it with the lube inside of the condom. It's okay to kind of overkill it with it outside though. <laughs>
1: For sure. Exactly.
0: The, yeah. Um, so, um, another thing that we do kind of want to go over is, um, you know, Let's say that you don't have a partner or let's say that, you know, you do have a partner, but you want to kind of start a little bit. You don't want to go the full nine yards, uh, or full eight inches in this case. Yeah. Or, (laughs) you know, however, however large it is for you. (laughs) There are a lot of really good starter toys and starter plugs and trainer sets that you can get that will help you, I guess, train your butthole Uh, to be a little bit more receptive to sex because let's face it, like you look at, you know, a dick or, you know, a massive bad dragon toy that's the size of your fist. And you're like, oh my God, I, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh." there are a lot of smaller toys that can train you and they can really be helpful in, you know, uh, learning how to associate anal with pleasure.
1: Right. And I, I want to talk about here too, for a couple more reasons why you might want starter toys and a couple of different applications. So first off, if you're inexperienced with anal sex and you find the concept kind of scary, a lot of your associations with anal sex are actually going to be pretty negative. And when you have those negative associations, that actually creates uh, stress inside of you. And stress tends to cause muscle tightening. It's part of the... Um, uh, nervous system responses to cause tightening of your muscles. So you have uh, two sphincters in your anus, that one of which is mostly voluntarily controlled. That's the one that you think about the most, the one you control when you're taking a dump, for example. And you also have an involuntary sphincter that is uh, in your anus. That involuntary one is exquisitely sensitive to stress. So if you're very stressed out and you find that concept of anal sex stressful, you are almost certainly going to have a bad time when putting something in your ass because that muscle is tight and so it's going to be very painful to stretch it out because it doesn't want to be stretched. Mm -hmm. You really want that involuntary sphincter muscle to be fairly loose and for that to be the case, you need to be fairly relaxed when you're having anal sex. So that means, generally speaking, you don't want to have negative associations with it. And so starting out with toys and plugs of that nature can really help you get used to the idea of putting things in your butt outside of a stressful context and as Metrico was saying, will get you associated with putting things in there being pleasurable. And that can then really help you ramp down that stress level that will make actual anal intercourse much more pleasurable for you.
0: You know, there's also the idea, we, we spoke about this in our uh, cognitive behavioral therapy episode, but there is the idea of fortune telling where, you know, if you go into anal with the idea that you're just going to have a bad time, that it's going to hurt, that it's going to be terrible, then chances are it is going to be all of that. You want to enjoy yourself. You want to make sure that you have a controlled environment in which you can explore and have fun. So using toys to start out with is going to be a great idea because you can allow yourself the time to explore and you know go into it with a positive attitude because you don't want to fortune tell your own, I guess, sexual activity, your sexual pleasure into being a negative one. So I would highly recommend against, you know, I would highly recommend not against, but having toys, especially if you want to get started in anal.
1: Right. Uh and Cody's got his pops so I'm going to let him speak in a second, but I also want to mention <laughs> that uh the toys you're using uh, are great for play on your by yourself and getting ready f- for anal sex down the road. They're also great oftentimes and we'll talk about this in a bit during our sexual progression portion of the show mm-hmm. and how you actually go about, you know, what the sexual progression should be the first time you're having anal sex or perhaps even every time you're having anal sex. Uh, but mm-hmm. they can also be useful as part of that, uh, kind of getting ready for the actual, the act itself of putting, you know, the penis inside of the butt or the, you know, harnessed bigger dildo inside <laughs> of the butt, whatever it is you're putting up there. Right. Um, these starter toys and things like that can really help you get ready for that. So highly recommend that you, uh, don't just think about them as being used in advance, but they can also be part of the, part of the show.
3: What I wanted to talk about is that involuntary muscle that you can't control. It's that secondary sphincter that can oftentimes, you know, the entry of the, the head getting into the anus feels okay, but then the deeper that it goes, the worse it hurts. That is controlled very subconsciously, and it is a response to fear or discomfort that is not entirely in your control. And a way to put this into control is to realize that fear... Is something you can get used to by introducing yourself to things in small steps if you're afraid of swimming starting in the kiddie pool is how you learn how to you know tread water (laughs) and then you can go to the deep end and then you can start diving what a lot of people don't realize with anal sex is they try diving into the deep end immediately and are surprised when they're scared they don't know how to tread water properly they don't know the proper steps So these toys allow you to introduce a level of control into how you experience anal play for the first time. You go at your speed. You have the lubricant that you prefer. You are using the amount of lubrication that you prefer. And if anything goes wrong, it's totally in your control to take that toy out or to stop and try again later. If you go directly into, hey, you should top me. I hope everything goes well. Well, now you have you're adding a variable of another person who may not know that they're hurting you and they're trying to be aware of, you know, if you're in pain or not. But they may put you in a situation that is like, hey, I can't control this person as much as I can control a toy that I'm holding. So that's why I always recommend toy first, because if you learn how to tread water properly, diving into the deep end will be a lot more comfortable for you.
0: So, I guess my earlier you know, joke about water wings kind of mm-hmm. applies. Dildos, dildos are going to be your water wings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of, you know, it's really exposure therapy, which is a thing that you do yes. for people who have phobias. So, it's kind of basically that approach. Right. And the starter toys can really, really help with that. Um, so, now getting into like what actual starter toys should you consider because there's tons of them out there. And this kind of just, this is just general buying advice for dildos and anal insertables in general. Uh, but it also applies to the starter toys and, pl- and plugs and things you might be putting up there. Uh, starting off with right. the, the materials that you want to be considering, you want to restrict yourself to looking for toys that are made of silicone or made of glass. You don't want to be putting things up there that are made of plastic. And you also want to avoid things that are labeled, for example, novelty use only. That tends to be uh, mean that they're made by a manufacturer who doesn't actually give a shit and doesn't want to be held accountable for anything. So if they say novelties only, that means that they don't actually mean to put it inside of you, which is obviously not the kind of toy that you want if you're using it inside of you. So look for mm-hmm. well-made toys. Don't try to go super, super cheap. You can actually get very well-made silicone toys for not very much money at all if you know where to look. Think about a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, if I buy a toy, it's going to be a hundred dollars. There are toys you can get that are actually pretty decent quality in the fifteen to twenty to thirty dollar range. So look for, look out for those. Just make sure they're made of good quality silicone from a manufacturer you might be more likely to trust, or uh, honestly, glass uh, is really good as well. You might think, oh my God, glass could shatter. I don't want that anywhere near my butt. That's not exactly what we're talking about. The glass we're talking about is really high quality, strong glass that's pretty solid. And so when you're putting that inside of you, that's not going to be shattering. It's it's like
3: Pyrex. Yeah, it's Pyrex.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's not going to be doing any kind of breakage. You don't have to worry about that. And it's a really easy to clean material. Mm -hmm. Both silicone and glass can be easier to clean because they don't have a lot of porous surfaces. And again, that for anal play, you really want things that aren't porous because anything else is going to be too difficult to clean. And you want to make sure you're keeping things clean because you don't want to be giving yourself an infection of any kind. Right. So basic basic rules: silicone glass, avoid plastics, avoid novelty use only.
3: Yeah, and um, the reason to avoid anything that's uh, a hard plastic, and why you need to stick to glass and silicone. Glass and silicone are both very smooth. Mm -hmm. Hard plastics, especially when they're injection molded, often will have a seam. And if that seam is not uh, sanded off or managed Mm -hmm. properly, it can lead to internal bleeding due to cuts that they cause during insertion. So don't use anything that's been injection molded, especially toothbrushes. Like the ends of uh, household objects are often very dangerous. Don't put anything with a seam around the uh, sides of it into you.
1: Right. Uh, And one tip I will make there is if you are playing with a toy that has a seam, I highly recommend, you know, this is something people don't often think about, but you can put a condom over a toy. It can help Mm -hmm. with keeping it clean, and it can also really help with, if you do have a really poorly made toy that you don't actually want touching any of your innards, if you put a condom over that really cheap toy, you've now basically given it a much smoother surface, and you're going to have a much better experience with the toy, and you're also not going to have to worry about that seam cutting you, so... Put a condom over that cheap toy if you do have one of the cheaper ones you don't quite trust. Yeah,
3: then it's easier to clean because you just take off the garbage liner and throw it away.
1: Basically, right, exactly. <laughs> so consider that yeah. as well. Now, when it gets into you know what kind of toy should you get, um, there are a few different options. I think for beginners, the two main ones you might be considering are going to be dildos and butt plugs. Uh, dildos tend to be the kind of penis-shaped toys that are fairly, well, fairly common, I think, and then butt plugs are... Uh, somewhat similar, but they also have a kind of wide uh, base to them, followed by a neck that allows you to keep the toy inside of you without it slipping out. Um, so when it comes to dildos, uh, it's a good idea to start small, but you don't want to start so small that it can't actually help you prep for the real thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, most people, most guys are going to average in the five and a half to seven to eight inch range in terms of their length. It's probably best to start somewhere in that range because you want a toy that's realistic so that you can actually prep for having a real penis inside of you. Um, if you're getting something mm-hmm. that's too small, you might get used to that toy, but then you're not, still not used to actually having something as large as your partner inside of you. So I recommend something that is kind of somewhat in the, in the general order of uh, what an actual partner might be. So this is going to be a toy that's about maybe six to seven inches of insertable length and maybe about one to one and a half inches of width. That's probably in the range that you want to be starting with. You might get one toy that's six inches and one, uh, long and one inch wide and another toy that's seven inches long and a one and a half inch wide and kind of work your way up. That's totally fine to do as well. And I'm going to link to uh, an Amazon link for a toy that I actually own myself that I like to use with people. Uh, it's a silicone uh, body-safe dildo. Very friendly to use. Unfortunately, I don't think this one's being sold anymore, but it can give you an idea of what you might be looking for and uh, kind of gives you a kind of general sense of the dimensions of the toys that you might find good that good for a starter or a beginner toy. Uh, one other feature I'll mm. point out about this toy that makes it uh, good for beginners and is a feature to look for uh, is if you get a toy that looks exactly like a penis, it's going to have, you know, you know what a penis looks like. It's not going to have a very well-tapered tip, And for a beginner, I highly recommend getting a toy that has more of a taper to it. So by taper, I mean it starts out very narrow and then very gradually Mm -hmm. starts to expand. That's going to make the insertion a lot easier. And for someone who's a beginner, it's a really good idea because it means that you can really control the entry a lot more carefully. Uh, If you get a toy that has a blunter tip, like a penis-shaped toy might, because penises aren't quite as tapered, um, that's going to be a bit harder to get used to, especially if you're a beginner. So look for a toy that has a taper to it.
3: Yeah. And also, right. uh, the toy yeah. that you have linked to has a silk matte finish, which makes it incredibly liquid resistant. So, lubes are great on it, but also it is incredibly easy to clean, and it feels great going in and out because it has that liquid resistance.
0: Yeah, and you know, just you know, for my personal like, uh, I guess advice, it's I tend to recommend against getting anything that has like a vibrating element or anything that would be additional it's i highly recommend just getting something that's a base you know just a standard you know dildo without any kind of vibration element anything of that nature because it's going to be um you know a little bit easier a little bit less to manage and again it goes back to my idea of you want to kind of get the idea of what it is to you know have something inserted inside of you Um, A lot of these vibrating dildos or toys in general, they're not going to really be that great for a beginner. They're going to be a little bit blunter. They're going to be a little bit more difficult to manage. So go with something simpler. Go with something that's easy to control, and it's going to be a far more pleasurable, enjoyable time for you. So, you know, the toy that Linked is very good, um, especially if you're wanting to kind of get into the idea of having something, you know, inside of you, um, that you can kind of insert in and out without, yeah, because uh, with anal, it's all about the motion, going in, going out. Uh, but when we think about, you know, getting some a toy inside of you, the the other thing that sometimes people find pleasurable is the actual stretching of the anus. You know, for some people, it's not having something inside of them that's hitting. Their, you know, their, their clitoral wings, their pr- prostate, It's the actual sensation of being stretched out, and if that's something that you find that you enjoy, um, I would recommend going more the route of a butt plug. And um, butt plugs are, you know, for a lot of people, they're a little bit easier to manage simply because. With a dildo, you kind of have to keep a good, you know, hand on the dildo. That way it doesn't go fully inside of you because that's not good. You don't want to fully insert something without a means to extract it. Um, that can wind, uh, you know, that you might end up going to the hospital because of that. So I would highly uh, you know, recommend against doing that with a dildo. With a butt plug, though... It has a bulbous tip, think like a knot. And once you fully insert it, there's a little ridge and, you know, an, an inch or two. And you can kind of just sit it in your ass and just kind of get used to the idea of stretching everything out. Um,
1: right. And again, my advice for buying a dildo applies here as well to the butt plug world. Uh, try for one that has a more gradual taper if you're a beginner. It might look a bit more like uh Kind of like triangular in that sense rather than cone. kind of more blunt yeah kind of mm-hmm. cone shaped and a very gradual kind of slope to the cone that tends to be the kind that beginners will prefer you might think of more like a christmas
0: tree shape
3: Yeah, actually. a very rounded christmas <laughs> tree.
0: right without, without <laughs> the star on top though yeah, yeah. Don't, don't include the star and,
3: and uh no evergreen needles
0: yeah but but a, a
1: christmas <laughs> tree rather than a bush can be a bit easier to manage if you are a beginner uh, so, and again, you do want that widely flanged base with that, that it gets very wide at the base, and you want a fairly narrow neck behind that. A lot of people get intimidated by the wide flange to a butt plug, but the way that the butt plug works and the way that it stays inside of you is that your ass really needs to be able to close behind it for the mm-hmm. most part. And so you want one that has a wide flange and a narrow neck because then that to neck ratio is going to be pretty high and it's going to stay inside of you. If the size of the neck ends up getting to be too wide or the size of the flange mm-hmm. is too small there's not enough of a difference and your, your butt is just going to expel that toy and it can actually expel it with some velocity. sometimes uh, hilarity <laughs> yeah. can ensue hilarity can ensue in that scenario but it's not going to be really conducive to having an erotic and projectile good, injury yeah a good erotic experience <laughs> yeah, projectile uh, butt plugs are not the best
3: ricocheting around the room <laughs> oh get down and, oh my god <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I think we want to kind of avoid the, the anal grenade butt plug, <laughs> <Like> the <laughs> rocket propelled butt plug. Um with with butt plugs there are a lot of uh trainer sets kind of similar to what you can find with dildos. Um and I know there are several major brands, uh I can name Colt as one of them that has a, they tend to come in a set of three and you kind of work your way up. Um that's that's generally what I recommend. Um again, you want to make sure that you're getting things that are of a high grade material that are of a good, you know, production quality. Um with butt plugs, you want you really want to make sure that, you know, what you're using you're very comfortable with because butt plugs are are meant to kind of uh, you know, be kept in for a little bit of time. Some people enjoy having them in, you know, as they go about their day-to-day business and you know, they walk around town and they have that little smile on their face thinking (laughs) nobody knows. So, you know, it's, it's, you want to make sure that you get something that you're comfortable with. Um, and you know, something that you feel that you can keep in for a longer period of time. Uh, butt plugs are not meant to, you know, kind of be, and you know, inserted and then pulled out and then reinserted, you know, rapidly.
3: Oh God. Ow.
0: Yeah. No. Uh-oh. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're not uh, you're not getting a toy that, you know, if you want to be able to do that to kind of have the to mimic the you know sexual pumping of a you know cock inside of you, then go with the dildo. If you want something that you can just kind of. I, I i use the term sit it and forget it um then go with the vlog <laughs> but yeah. you know if you're starting out get a trainer set you know start small you know let your dreams take time to build and so does your anus so don't go too big too soon um
3: <laughs> don't shatter the dreams of your anus that was and don't weird shatter
0: to- your anus <laughs> <laughs>
3: Now,
1: as to where to get these toys, um, there are, you can just go to your standard sex shops. Potentially, uh, you can also go to Amazon or places, you know, mass market merchants and get some some basic toys. Uh, watch out there for knockoff toys, though. Things that are very poorly made, as as Cody was saying before, things that have are plasticky, that have seams, that are labeled novelty mm-hmm. use only. Avoid those types of toys. Try to get good ones. Um, we also, fortunately, are, are kind of lucky in the fandom to have a few fandom-based sex toy manufacturers. And I think a lot of you are probably familiar with them, but we'll list them off for those of you who might not be. Um, Bad Dragon, I think, is the um, big name in the room. Uh, And they make some really (laughs) great animal-themed toys that can be a lot of fun. There's also uh, Primal Hardware. And then there's uh, Fetish Zone as well. So all three of those uh, makers make ranges of, uh, I think, butt plugs and dildos. And they they come in some very fun and interesting shapes. And they do have some that are explicitly labeled as being for beginners. So you can check out their beginner selection. And I think they'll be happy to help set you up with one of those toys. So definitely check them out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I know that a lot of times, you know, when you think of Bad Dragon, you think of, you know, the dildo that's the size of your arm. They definitely (laughs) do have, you know, a, a wide selection of toys. And probably my favorite part about them is their presence on social media. So If you have any questions, you know, you can always just hit them up on Twitter, and I'm sure that they would be glad to talk about you and your butthole and how to set up your butthole with a purchase. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed.
3: The wonderful thing about Bad Dragon and, uh, well, all of these Fetish Zone, Primal Hardware, Bad Dragon, they make dildos that are not just a dildo or just a butt plug. Some of them have knots, which means you have a dildo with a butt plug built into the bottom of it it's an all in one <laughs> magical experience.
1: <laughs> yes, as Koji speaking as a fox
0: can confirm that those are his favorite type of
1: toys.
3: I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's 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 very good to be in a fandom where we have a diversity of, you know, production companies and we have several that produce, you know, cocks. So that's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it's definitely hit them up. Um, they have, uh, you know, all three of these companies have regular sales. If you're worried about price point, they have regular deals. So, you know, just watch out for that. Um, keep on the lookout and, you know, try to, you know, if you're going to buy a toy, why not buy a toy that, you know, is within the fandom. I mean, I think that's a good deal for everybody. Yeah, so support your furry artists yeah
1: support them for sure that's always fun plus you can also get these uh if you have a about having a toy shipped to you and you're wondering what that's going to be like a lot of these manufacturers do have um go to the dealer's den at a lot of cons you can just pick up your toy when you're at your next fur con and otherwise if you're worried about shipping a lot of these places do have discrete shipping options as well so it'll just come in a very plain box no one will
0: know you're buying <laughs> just a giant dick shape no box. one knows you're buying a horse cock okay? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe if you live with your parents, just put a shipping note, like, do not deliver to grandma. Do not. You know? Right. <laughs> what, Junior, what, what's this?
1: <laughs> one more point I'll make about that is a lot of, you must think about this, 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 but a lot of uh, copy shops and things uh, of that nature will be happy to offer as a service package acceptance as well. So you might go to your local, you know, copy shop, your, you know, photocopy place or whatever and ask them if they do package acceptance. A lot of them will offer that for a fairly low fee of like five dollars a month. You might only need it to do it for a month, but then you just give their address, care of your name. They say that they got the package for you, you'd swing by there and pick it up. You never have to see those people again. And you can then have your toy and go be about your merry business. So I'm, I'm if you're having things shipped home, consider shipping it to another a third party that'll that'll do package acceptance for you.
0: For a second, I thought you said coffee shop, and I just had the <laughs> mental edge
1: of, like, just getting a Starbucks dildo shipped to dildos. Starbucks. <laughs> don't <laughs> ship your dildos to Starbucks. They don't make great coffee stirrers. They're
0: just, like, overflowing
1: with dick-shaped packages out the door. <laughs> the C-O-P-Y copy
3: shops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, still just going to imagine, like, get, can I get a latte and a bad dragon toy? <laughs> yeah. I can I get vent- this bad... Back- yeah, I, need the, I need
3: the venti dildo please yeah could I, I get that
0: with coconut water <laughs> two like, pumps please two pumps i need i need a non-fat like tall <laughs> i need i need to come to okay okay you guys have had your fun <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
0: i, I want to know but like if you want to
3: make a career out of this which colleges have like classes for cocksmithing how do you get into this
1: We'll have to have someone from, uh, from Bad Dragon on. Maybe Varco want to speak to us yeah, at some point about how to, how to get into the cock business. interesting is an interest work-up. of mine. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no, that I'll aside, talk- future show topics, I guess. <laughs> but that aside, <laughs> our next topic is kind of, I think, the real meat and potatoes of the episode. Huh. And that's when you're actually going to have sex, you actually have a sex partner. Congratulations on finding someone who's willing to have sex with you. A plus. Uh, and you you 're ready to have anal sex for the first time. What is the progression? How do you actually go about doing this it 's kind of a mystifying thing. You do you just stick it in short answer to that is no you don't that 's a Fuck bad no. idea. hell no, <laughs> God damn it, no <laughs> now do not use spit just. Fuck that shit. Yeah, don't don't do the broke back mountain shit. That's not don't do that. No. Don't no, that's not it's how not, that works.
0: It's not deliverance, you know. Don't <laughs> don't feel the need to make them, you know, squeal like a pig. I mean unless you really want to, in which case that's great. But make,
1: make sure that's consensual.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Usually if you want to know if you're into that, like you have to have started somewhere <laughs> not quite at that level.
1: Don't yet. jump there. You might look they look really hot in art or really hot in porn, but you are not at the furry art. At or for a porn yeah. level, yet like, if you are well, a newbie.
3: I, I saw it in a porno. He just went right in and started jackhammering. It's like, okay, well, it took that those people, it took them years to get that good at sex. And also, yeah.
0: you're missing out on like the 30 minutes of preparation work, the injection of a lubricant. Like, there's a lot of porn that gets cut out, trust me.
3: Yes. Well, also, um, you're missing out on the emotional experience of bonding with mm-hmm. someone for the first time as they're very carefully and tentatively <laughs> making sure that they're fine tuned. To your wavelength to be giving a good experience to you.
1: Yeah, I think starting with passionate sex is good for sexual health and it's also good for emotional health too because right. you're going to be having a more meaningful experience. It's great to have that jackhammering sexual experience too, that more objectified, you know, kind of distant sort of sex. That porno can be sex. porno sex. Yeah, that mm-hmm. can be a lot of fun, but it's probably not where you want to start. Especially if you're new at, at bottoming. Yeah, right. I'd recommend cuddle-fucking.
0: Sure. You know, even before we get there, where we really got to start, and this even applies to when you're using toys, you want to clean your butthole out. Right.
1: Now, I will say some people, if you're a beginner, you might not want be one of these people, and it's going to be hard for you to know. Some people who have very good diets don't really need to clean out very often. If you have a very solid stools and you don't um, generally have a lot of mess that feel like it's left behind when you're done in the, in the restroom, um, you might be able to, when you've are you know, you've had your bowel open for the day and you think you feel empty down there, you might not need to clean out necessarily. Uh, but that isn't always going to be foolproof, and you want to make sure you know your body really well before assuming that. And some people, that's the case, and some people, it's not. But if you're ever in doubt, uh, clean it out is kind of the rule, right? Yep. Yep. You don't want a shitty situation. So I'm going to let Koji take yeah. the lead here because I don't actually do that often because I'm a top. So Koji, how does this work?
3: Okay. So first and foremost, everyone will have a slightly different technique that they use. Everyone meditates differently. Everyone stretches differently. So what works for me may be tweaked to be made best for you. Um, it's a starting point, but... This is not an end-all be-all for what you should do. Uh, when you're douching to clean out anything down there, first, what I like to do is just get a feel, move your waist around, kind of gyrate a little bit, feel internally what is in you. If you need to go to the restroom first, sit down, very relaxed, try to you know, manually get rid of anything just by pushing as you normally would when you're going to the bathroom. But don't overdo it. Some people will push very hard. This is how you can pull a muscle, sprain something, and completely ruin sex. So don't ever push too hard.
0: That's also how you get hemorrhoids. So yes. don't do that. Yeah, Don't do it. Let gravity do
3: its work. If you're trying to get something out, what I like to do is kind of move my waist around just to supply movement. Uh, just that little bit of movement as you're pushing can help to relieve anything inside of you.
0: I, I can... So there's actually... um, (laughs) This is going to sound really stupid. Um, You can get a stool um, to help you avoid... Um, would they call that a stool stool? I, I no, it's it's um, I, it's called a squatty potty. Actually, yes, um, I've heard about these. Yeah, so basically the idea, um, I it's it's I've used them and they're great. If you elevate your legs to where you're kind of in like a squatting position, it actually helps you void your bowels in a far smoother fashion to where you're not having to like hardcore push. So I would recommend like if you're wanting to you know make doubly sure if you have like a bathroom stool like it doesn't need to be a professionally made one you can just make one yourself elevate your legs a little bit it's going to help you void a little bit more smoothly i guess is what i would say yes Um, if you want to get the professional one the squatty potty a plus 100 um yet again they don't endorse us but i endorse them (laughs) I endorse the technique fully. Uh, The reason that this works is because humans were
3: originally meant to squat to go to the restroom. Uh, uh, Places in Asia have squatting bathrooms. A lot of places in India have squatting restrooms. And it's, you plant your feet on the ground, you get low, and that position naturally with your back, you know, kind of arched forward and your ass curled down is the natural way for your... Uh, rectal cavity to fully elongate so that everything can get out of your bowels. Uh, We don't do that in America. We sit on toilets. And this is why we have a lot of problems in America with people who don't fully evacuate all of that fecal matter when they go to the restroom. And there can be some left over, which is why even after some people have a bowel movement and then they try to have anal sex, they're like, damn it, something is still in there. So this technique... Elevating your legs to about or a little bit below the same level as the toilet seat can help to curve your back into the form where it's unpinching internally your rectal mm-hmm. cavity so you can evacuate fully.
0: Now, one note: don't rest your feet on the toilet bowl. Um, that can actually break the toilet. You, it's very precarious. You don't yeah. want to fall. <laughs> yeah, so you know, don't don't do that. You know, if you want to do that, get something that you can kind of. Uh, rest your feet on it's going to go it's it's going to go the distance for you so to speak so that's what i would recommend um and yeah it's squatty potty a plus the technique it's pretty great so and that's that's just for general use like if you find that you have issues um but especially for anal you know you want to make sure that you void as much as you can and that's a great way to do it yeah yeah
3: and that's just step one which is evacuating manually next comes douching it out this is if you're not sure if you can push anymore but there might still be some mess up in you there are different solutions to have water inject or um saline injected into you by either a kind of like a, a plunger of some kind i personally use a like cooking syringe it's not sharp it is very smooth at the tip I fill it up with warm water after I've, you know, cleaned it out with soap and water first, and then I inject that in, I stand up fully, I move my waist around a little bit for like 30 seconds, and then I sit back down, and I let the water fall out of me, I do not push. When there's water in you and you push, sometimes you can actually squeeze it up inside of you further, and you don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, I think Cody's rushing through this a little bit, I want to slow down a little bit on this process. So one thing, whenever you're pushing something into you, you want to make sure that it's just liquid and that you're not pushing any air inside of you because that can actually be dangerous. So when you're first beginning to um, push the liquid inside of you, um, make sure you, uh, before you even put it in you, push to the point where you do see some liquid coming out. Then stop, put it inside of you, and then continue to squeeze out that liquid inside of you to make sure you're just giving yourself liquid. And then, as Koji was saying, you don't want to put too much liquid in and you don't want to uh, push it too hard because you don't want it to go all the way inside of you. If you push liquid all the way inside of you it's probably not going to hurt you but what you're going to encounter is that liquid that's pushed all the way inside of you is going to take a long time to come back out of you because now it's, it's pretty deep and what's going to happen is if you're going to have sex pretty shortly after douching that water can start to come out uh, during sex and that's a very embarrassing mess you probably don't want to have to deal with so uh, to avoid that don't push the water too far back and another thing you can do to help with this is try to delay sex for upwards of about a half hour after you've douched to make sure all the water has come back out before you start trying to put things back inside of you.
3: Yep. This is something that I have never tried. A professional douche. They are available to purchase at Walgreens. They're available to purchase online. Amazon has them.
1: Yeah, we're going to link to one called the uh, CleanStream Enema Bulb. Yep. Uh, that is a very basic, cheap. It's only like 7 bucks. Um, works pretty self-explanatory there's instructions on how to use it uh posted right with it um and you can buy that on amazon very cheaply and so we'll link to that one but there's tons of these if you don't want to use some people like to use turkey basters some people like to use uh i think which is basically what some people like to use um A cooking, cooking syringe, syringe this That's code you was saying yeah uh, anything will work you want to make sure you're not using the anal one that you're been going don't put it back in the kitchen like that's kind of gross right um don't don't, don't it's a bathroom <laughs> thing yeah, right it's not something this should be a know. dedicated use toy dedicated yep. use for sure but i mean if you are the type of person who doesn't want to have something that's sex related in your house but you want to be able to do this no one's going to bat an eye at you having a turkey baster or a cooking syringe that's so.
3: why i have mine it's because i purchased it when i was still living with my parents and i didn't want something that was as obvious as an anal enema Kit lying around the house that they could stumble upon. So I bought that like cooking syringe because it doesn't look incriminating, and I just love it so much that it's what I have continued to use. I've never actually tried an official <laughs> enema kit. I probably should. <laughs> I probably would like it a lot better.
0: <laughs> and if you're looking for something that's like a one-time use sort of thing, it's a lot of drugstores, uh, pharmacies will sell like a one-time use enema. Um, it's uh, those are also very good. They do contain like they come pre packed with liquid and instructions on how to use it, and they're fairly inexpensive maybe a dollar or two for one. So, if you're not wanting to have any kind of incriminating evidence, or let's say that you're at a convention and oh my god, it's happening, um, that can be a way that you can kind of quickly get something that's easily disposable and. Uh, you know, you don't have to kind of put a lot of forethought into it.
1: Uh, and one other piece of advice for douching is you uh, want to make sure you're using clean water. You want to make sure you're cleaning your douche uh, between uses. And this applies to our sex toys as well, actually. But you want to you want to make sure you're cleaning your to- uh, things very thoroughly between uses. Um, if what you're using is bleach safe, you can use a 10% bleach solution and soak your toys in that for a, a half hour to a couple of hours. And then very thoroughly rinse them out with just plain water afterwards, that's going to sterilize them pretty darn well. And that's going to work with things like your glass toys and your silicon toys pretty well. But you can ask if the manufacturers right there say, is this bleach safe or what do you recommend to clean or sterilize this toy? Uh, but 10% bleach is pretty much one of the best things you can use to kill pretty much all microbes. and not have to worry about it. No, And you absolutely know for certain something is sterilized and clean. Uh, some people will also boil their toys if they're made of glass or they're are heat resistant, and then they can they'll dry them off or they'll put them in the dishwasher. Those are other approaches. I don't t- tend to like to use that approach because I, I don't know for sure that the toys getting one hundred percent sterilized. Yeah, I don't We're, like
3: dishwasher because it can leave a layer of to Right, that you don't exactly. Deal
1: with. And also, soap doesn't kill things; it just gets them off. So uh, bleach will actually kill whatever is there. So you, you don't have to worry about transferring germs if you have like when you want to use it for yourself and your partner and you don't want to transfer germs or use yeah. this with multiple partners, you want to make sure you're and putting it through that 10% bleach uh, cycle or whatever sterilization cycle you want to use before moving it between partners. Especially at cons, because I know people mm-hmm. do a lot of toy sharing at cons.
3: Yeah. And uh- not transferring bad juju is important.
1: Now a lot of uh, toy manufacturers also make their own toy cleaners. and A lot of them have different cl- uh, cleansing agents in them. They tend to be more... Um, soap based and not as much sterilization based and some of the spray ones i'm not sure actually how thoroughly tested those are for efficacy speaking as someone with a phd in microbiology um, how we actually test whether things are sterilized is actually pretty uh, strenuous i don't really know that a lot of those toys are really uh, or a lot of those cleaners are really being certified to, to kill the things that you would want killed on a toy but i do know that soaking things in 10 percent bleach is going to eradicate whatever's there so that's kind of my gold standard your comfort level and how well cleansed your toys are. It's kind of up to you, but a lot of manufacturers will sell you toy cleaner to go along with their toys. So you might want to ask them what they
0: recommend. Yep. So, you know, take care of your butthole, uh, you know, take care of your toys and take care of your enema because that's going to save you a lot of stress and potential embarrassment down the line. Or even pain. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if you don't
3: clean something properly,
0: your entire, your insides are designed to
3: absorb nutrients so that you can survive but also they will absorb bad things if you put it up there so
1: that's i think not the most technical definition i've ever heard but (laughs) it'll work for it'll work for us it's fox language it's fox talk (laughs) 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 Uh, one other point i'll make that i think might be kind of obvious to a lot of people who are experienced uh enema users or cleaning out uh douche users is what you know water temperature you want to put inside of you you don't want to put ice cold water you don't want to put hot water and you want to be very safe and careful not to use very hot water because that can cause a ton of damage and you can hurt yourself really badly you want to make sure the water you're using is kind of lukewarm body temperature and that's as hot as you want to go don't put really hot water inside of you
3: i go slightly warmer than body temperature uh so that it feels about the same temperature of my hands and then i go just slightly higher because that increased temperature can actually relax your muscles internally um, but don't overdo it. Don't go crazy because you can burn yourself and that's
1: no fun. Well, beyond that fun, it's super dangerous. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so especially for beginners, like go with body temperature, can't go wrong there. If you mm-hmm. want to make it slightly warmer after that, that's kind of buyer beware, do at your own risk yep, and make sure, make sure you know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of the recommendation.
0: Yep. Nothing colder than room temperature and nothing warmer than body temperature. That's right. Cool. Obviously. If you are in pain when your hand is under the water,
3: obviously do not put that inside you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, ooh, ow, ooh. Yes, I want this inside me. No. That sounds like a bad time. Indeed.
0: (laughs)
1: It's a bad time
0: for sure, so. Alright, so we've douched ourselves out. We've waited, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. Wait, there's one more thing. I I recommend
3: um, clearing out three times. That's my magic number. Sometimes I go for four, if I'm not sure, but... You know, fill yourself with water, empty, fill yourself, empty, fill yourself, empty. That will make sure that you are getting clean. And ideally, at
1: the end of that cycle, like you wait 30 minutes before sex. Ideally. Yes. Not always. It's got to be right before. Sometimes it's got to be right before. But um, 30 minutes waiting period is often a good idea. Yep. Just to make sure you don't have water leakage during the act.
3: Back to you, Metrico. Sorry for
0: interrupting. Oh, no, no, you're fine. It's um, That's actually a good point. It's... um. Sorry, I thought we mentioned that, but yeah, you want to... One time is good, but, you know, twice is better, three times is pretty much golden. So, you know, make sure that you're fully cleaned out, everything's good, comfortable, we're ready to go. Then you're ready to get down to business. Your partner's, you know, set, prepped, ready to go. You want to warm up with a little bit of foreplay. You just... You know, that, that's just good standard for any kind of sexual play. You just don't want to go straight to the main event. Warm yourself up. It's going to get you in the mood. It's going to get your partner in the mood. And especially if you're the receptive partner, it's going to help relax you.
1: Yeah, to- that's the thing. The foreplay is not just to make sure you're kind of excited and physically engaged, but foreplay also gets you used to the idea of that you're, being, you're about to have sex. It reduces your anxiety level. You start getting more and more aroused. And that arousal... And that relaxation really do help, as we said before, with relaxing those muscles down below. And so this is not just because, you know, you don't want to rush sex. It's because there's actually a really good physiological reason as well. When you're emotionally relaxed and you're fully engaged in sex and fully aroused, your, your ass is going to cooperate a whole lot better.
3: Yep, yeah, yeah. especially when you're just going for your first time, making sure that the person cares that you're enjoying it goes a long way to making you emotionally feel safe. Like you trust that person and foreplay is a great way to be building that initial trust with someone.
1: And I mean I know for me, the first time I had gay sex, I was not even sure of my sexuality. I was super nervous about someone finding out. It was when my roommate was gone at college and I was like, I don't know when my roommate's getting back, and so I was panicked about that and I was in the Mm. closet and anyway, Mm. I had tons of different reasons a lot of internal tension to be anxious. And so I and I didn't have a partner who gave me enough time to warm up and really did just want to fuck me because I was a Twinkie college kid and who's 18 and they thought the idea of fucking an 18 year old sounded hot. So my first time uh, bottoming experience was really terrible and kind of a cautionary tale because I was super anxious. My heart was beating really fast. I was really tight and I had this fairly well-endowed guy just kind of shove his way inside of me and kind of, I think turned me off to bottoming for a number of years after that. So I would not recommend doing it that way. So definitely again, I could not push this hard enough, Make sure you're with somebody who's willing to give Mm -hmm. you foreplay and you want to make sure you're emotionally and erotically engaged and aroused before putting themselves into you. Because uh, if you've got someone who's just there to use you as a human fleshlight, that might not be the case. They're not going to really take the time with you. And then you're going to, number one, not have a very satisfying first time experience. It's not going to be a happy memory for you. It's also going to hurt a lot and it's just going to be bad. So don't do that.
3: Yeah, it's good to find someone who
1: cares about
3: you and wants to have sex with you, not someone who cares about having sex and you happen to be that thing that will offer sex. Right, which is why <laughs> I,
1: I do tell virgins especially, don't lose your virginity by uh, hooking up, You know, getting back to our previous show, using a hookup app with someone you don't know at all, who might not even know your first name. And that's not because I'm some sex-shaming weirdo who thinks it's like, oh my gosh, your first time experience needs to be spiritual, magical, and with your soulmate. No, I'm not actually that saying that at all. There's actually a good reason I say that. And that's because you want someone who's invested in your pleasure. The people who are going to be invested in your pleasure are not the people who are just using you to be a cum dump. The people who are invested in your pleasure are going to be people who consider you to at least be a friend or someone they can respect, if not a lover or a romantic partner. So at least, you know, find a fuck buddy or a friend that you can have for your first time with rather than jumping to a random anonymous internet stranger, because you want somebody who's going to be invested in your pleasure.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, warm up with a little bit of foreplay, make sure you're nice and relaxed. You know, sensual massages are really great for that. I know that, you know, a lot of people enjoy rimming, something that I personally enjoy doing, and that can really kind of help, you know, the bottom just really relax and just enjoy. Because... For a lot of people, especially if you're a virgin, you can be a little bit tense about somebody being, you know, just in the area, the general neighborhood of your butthole. So that's something that can really help relax and get you used to the idea of having somebody in that area, you know, rooming for a lot of people is very pleasurable, both in giving and receiving, and it helps relax. It helps just, oh, those feelings, you can kind of give into the idea, give into the idea of, you know, pleasure being accessible from any kind of anal play so with rimming of course uh you know there are a lot of additional things you can use a dental dam if you're uncomfortable with you know direct you know tongue contact with the butthole uh, but rimming is a great activity it's a great form of foreplay that a lot of people enjoy and it's something that you can employ in order to ensure that everybody's relaxed and you know kind of ready to get going and then from there You know, you can progress to fingers, perhaps. I
1: I want to talk about rimming just a bit more before we move on. Um, Fingers are great, but uh, tongues are awesome, too. (laughs) I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, One of them with the rimming is just how do you prepare for that in addition to the cleaning out. You also want to make sure what's called the perianal region or the, the area right surrounding your butthole is clean. And so you want to make sure that you're not using a ton of paper towel or toilet paper that's going to be kind of leaving debris in that area because that's going to be really gross for your partner to deal with. You want to make sure you're just using you know clean water. Maybe the best thing you use here is going to be a um, like uh, cloth that you would use like a bath cloth, and you want to just um, use that or like a little shower rag type thing. Use that to wipe the area with some warm soap and water, and then do another pass with just water, and then kind of towel yourself off with something that's kind of cottony, yeah. not I'll, going to leave a lot I'll of debris. Paper
3: towel with warm water.
1: Paper towel, yeah, not Not toilet paper. Not not something that's going to kind of fall apart.
3: Yeah, but the paper towel holds together a lot easier. and You can use that to cleanse the area. Uh, Like Vero said, a toilet paper can be very... It causes debris. It can kind of shred. Especially if you've shaven recently and your hair has a little bit of stubble down there, it can really eat at the toilet paper and now the person who wants to rim you is like left with this wonderful surprise of torn up toilet paper that they
1: have to ingest in order to rim you and that's yeah. not really appealing for a lot of people so no. not so my fetish at least slightly
3: damp paper towel with warm water perfectly cleansed that's
1: it's the way to do it
3: yep douching gets out any like debris inside of you uh, but do not <laughs> douche with mouthwash <laughs> don't fucking do that
1: where did that idea come from it, it people do this don't do that yeah i
0: have heard of people doing that
1: that's a terrible idea anyway Um, yeah don't never ever do that but that's that's just what i want to contribute is i personally really do enjoy rimming i know that i experience it as a super relaxing thing both on the giving and the receiving side it's not just something i do for my partner as a top i find rimming super erotic and enjoyable a lot of bottoms feel kind of guilty asking for it because they think it's kind of like oh this gross thing that the top's going to hate doing but Speaking as my personal experience at the top, I actually really love doing it. It's a lot of fun for me. It's something I actually look for and want to do with a partner who I trust. Uh, It's not something I do with casual partners because it's kind of a high STI risk activity. But with people that I'm dating, things like that, I I do love doing it. Um, And I do experience it as super relaxing, both on the giving and the receiving side. So uh, it really helps with the bottom level of relaxation. And it can also inspire a little bit of extra lubrication as well, especially if you're using a water-based lubricant. Having that extra moisture down there can really help uh, keep the water-based lubricant tacky and keep the sex going smoothly down the road. So, uh, rimming is a really great activity all the way around. So,
3: Hiro, what if people are kind of squicked out or they're kind of scared to do that kind of thing because they're worried about cleanliness? Could you go into the details of that?
1: Right. Speaking as a microbiologist, and again, we talk about this in our STI show a bit about the negative things that can happen. Um, Risk of hepatitis with rimming, risk of ass-to-mouth transmission of things like herpes, um, HPV, skin-to-skin type STIs are totally a thing. You can also transmit syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia potentially in that way. And if someone has a gastrointestinal disease, you could be getting that as well. These are things like polio, which is who has has polio. Like that's That's not a thing, really. But I mean, theoretically, if someone had polio, you could get polio. Uh, If they have uh, hepatitis, uh, some forms of hepatitis can be transmitted anally, and any other, you know, if they just recently had a stomach bug or a stomach flu, uh, that could potentially be transmitted in that way as well. So, uh, or if they have parasites, that's another thing they could transmit that way, cryptosporidium, something like that. So uh, what you want to do is ask your partner before you run them, hey, have you had any diarrhea lately? You know, when was the last time you had diarrhea? Like, did he eat any funny food? If you're, if you're concerned about this kind of thing and it's something that bothers you you want to reassure yourself about, just ask them to make sure that their GI system has been pretty regular in the last week or so. That's a good way to, to kind of make sure that you're not going to be encountering somebody who's recovering from a stomach bug and just isn't thinking about it. Um, so you can ask that question. Not really a sexy question to ask, but if you really are concerned about it, feel free to ask that. Someone should hopefully want to answer you. If they want to get rimmed, might have to talk about their butts a bit to make sure that they can get that action. Um, second thing mm. to say there... If you're worried about getting those types of, oh, I'm going to get sick from this, from someone who's perfectly healthy um, and doesn't have an STI and doesn't have any recent kind of GI issues or, or st- stomach flus, it, the risk in that situation is actually quite low. Um, like the, the basic bacteria that are down there are not something you really have to be super squicked out by. Um, they're you know kind of just part of you. They're supposed to be down there. If you ingest them, it's not going to hurt you. People actually do something called fecal transfer as a way of treating disease because you can reestablish the correct uh, organisms that are supposed to be inside of you by doing that from one person to another person. So It's a pretty safe thing to do. You don't really have to worry about, about that aspect. And if you're worried about oh if what if my partner rims me and then wants to give me a kiss that's really gross I'm going to get bacteria it's terrible you can't really infect yourself it's already inside of you exactly so if you're worried about something that's it's fecal oral transmitted if it's coming from your butt you really can't you literally cannot infect yourself with a a GI uh, disease that way because it's already in you so. Uh, that kind of transmission is not something you have to worry about because that's how you would transmit it to another person is them ingesting it. You I, don't have to worry about that so much.
0: I actually had um, this guy that I dated in college. Uh, anytime that I rammed him, he would make me brush my teeth and use mouthwash. Um, he was that paranoid of any kind of transfer. And I mean, even though I told him, I'm like, listen, it's, it's going to be fine. And I explained all of that to him, you know. That's something that you might want to discuss before you actually do the deed, the, you know, your partner's level of comfort, if they have any requirements, um, could just be maybe not worth the hassle because, you know, for me, that was kind of like, it's kind of odd, you know, okay, we're going to do this and then I got to go and do this. And it kind of takes you out of the mood. So definitely it's an act that you want to discuss before you actually do it. Um,
1: Yeah. I will speak to that too. For me as a top, if I'm with someone who's really squicked by rimming, like Personally, it doesn't squick me at all, but some bottoms actually are really self-conscious about their butts, and they don't want mm-hmm. anyone's head down there. They don't want anyone smelling them, licking them, tasting them. They don't want anyone you know, catching anything they feel unclean. If someone has a lot of shame around their butt, um, you rimming, jumping right into rimming might actually make them really anxious, and that can mm-hmm. be really counterproductive kind of if you're hoping to then have sex, because now they're anxious, and they're going to be all tight down there. So um, definitely make sure the person is okay with rimming before diving right in to do it because some people are going to have a really kind of traumatic experience if you do that, if right. feel really self-conscious about their butts. And I will also say, speaking from the toxic perspective, uh, if someone is really like negative about their butt and doesn't want you kissing them after rimming them and stuff, that's something to keep in mind because I really like making out during sex. So if my rimming them is going to cost me the ability to make out afterwards, I might refrain from doing the rimming because I want to be able to use my mouth for other romantic or sexual things during the sex act itself. So make sure that you know, You know, once I go down on you, are you comfortable with me rimming you? Are you comfortable? I mean, are you, once I go down to, on you to rim you, are you comfortable with me going down on you? Are you comfortable with me making out with you? If the person's not comfortable with that, or they want you to take spe- extra steps, that should be part of your calculus that lets you decide whether you want to be doing the rimming or just doing the making out or going down on.
3: Yep. And if you do rim someone and then you go for a kiss and that person turns away from you, Don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you. They are rejecting poop. So (laughs) don't let it hurt your feelings too much.
1: Koji, you might have figured out from the the way that that last interaction was paired that this is actually an issue in Koji and I's relationship a little bit.
3: I love to be rimmed. I do not want to rim, and I probably never will.
1: It's a hard limit for Koji. So he he likes to be rimmed but cannot do it. And he also is very... Squicked by being kissed after being rimmed, so yeah. I have to remember that uh, if I want to rim him, there's a price of admission because he won't kiss me afterwards. And I do like to kiss during sex, so I sometimes have to choose one or the other. Uh, little pro tip for me, from personal experience, going to share some of our intimate sex life now, Koji.
3: Oh, it's gonna be juicy. And oh
1: yes, <laughs> uh, I tend to rim Koji on nights that I get doing him in a position that doesn't allow for easy kissing, like if we're uh, role playing, like a you know really kind of brutal scene i'll like take him from behind and that doesn't really allow for kissing but then i know i can i can rim him safely because we're not going to be kissing anyway because we're doing a different position but when at night when we're doing things like missionary or cowboy or something like that i tend not to rim him as as much because i want to be able to make out during sex see
3: now that's clever you're revealing all of your secrets yes i am i know (laughs) everything now
0: (laughs) you know pro tips yes um a few other things that i do want to mention um you don't want to... I would recommend against using any kind of like... Okay, so don't lube up before you get rammed. That's that's just going to be oh, pro God. tip no. Pro tip number yes. one. Yes. And don't um, use
3: flavored lube to mm-hmm. rim. Like Oh, God. No. It's gross.
0: Yeah. And don't, and don't, again, don't feel shamey about, oh,
1: I'm going to taste bad. It's going to taste like poop. If you're clean down there, it does not taste like poop. It's going to taste actually... For me, I enjoy the taste. And everyone's a little bit different, but it kind of tastes like that person. It's kind of hard to describe exactly, essence. but yeah, exactly. <laughs> it tastes it tastes it's a very like neutral taste, and it tastes like that person. So it's a, for me, I've experienced it as a very positive thing and a really weirdly really romantic thing. Guess um, sounds kind of weird to say, I guess. It's very intimate. It's super intimate. So, but definitely not a bad experience. I love doing it. and I love the taste, and it's not something that you have to worry about or feel shamey about. So you don't have to put strawberry potpourri whatever weird chocolate bullshit. Sauce. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't get all weird about it. Cause like the natural taste is actually quite good for most people.
0: You know? And another thing, you know, that I want to point out is you, there are a lot of people that want to use, um, like some kind of food in their place. Some people enjoy the idea of like, well, I'm just going to put like chocolate syrup or some kind of a jam or a jelly. You see this a lot of the time in like some porn, Again, I recommend against it putting anything that's food based or anything that contains sugar in that general area for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, it can lead to uh, specific kinds of infections. So, you know, just keep it clean. You don't need to add anything to it. Even if it's on the outside, just don't worry about it. Um, just keep it clean and keep it tidy and everybody's going to have a good time. Um... Really, th- those are my tips on rimming. You know, you just you want to make sure that everybody's relaxed and having a good time, and it'll be a good time for everybody, <laughs> um, for sure.
1: I think now, metrico, I, this is quite the long continuation. I will uh, now let you talk about fingers.
0: Thank Ooh, fingers. you. <laughs> so, here's the deal with fingers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you see this. Um, first off, we got to talk about your fingernails. So. You're some people like if they're watching porn especially and and you see this happen a lot in uh, lesbian porn where both of the people partner you know both of the actors in the porn will have you know really nice looking fingernails that are painted and you know sometimes they're press-ons and you don't want that you don't want that um, you want your fingernails to be fairly nicely trimmed you want them to be manicured you know maybe you have it done at a shop or you do it yourself, but you want them to not be sharp or jagged or pointy because that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot, regardless of where you put it. It's going to hurt. If that's going inside of your body, it's going to hurt. So yes, make sure that they're, you know, if you're using fingers, just make sure that the fingernails are not sharp, that they're trimmed, that, you know, if you bite your fingernails like some people you know maybe you file them down to a smooth you know continuation because it's the, the the good thing about you know your anus is that it's very sensitive the bad part is that it is incredibly sensitive and that it will pick up on those things and you know you don't want to have anything too sharp or jagged going into your you know anal cavity because it can result in tears and fissure it's it's going to be bad it's going to do damage it's going to hurt you're going to wince in pain and as we've discussed earlier it's going to cause everything to tighten and that just makes the overall experience very painful
1: yeah to continue on that line of thought and i will it will also speak scientifically to what metric is saying this the layer of skin that's part of the anus and the the uh, the membrane of the rectum is quite thin quite easy to damage And you don't want to be damaging that, not only because of the risk of bleeding and and tears and fissures and infections uh, that you might think about with any kind of cut, it's also really important to realize that any kind of uh, abrasion to that skin is going to be a great vector for things like HIV, other uh, STIs. So anytime you're kind of cutting into that area, you actually are really dramatically raising your STI transmission risk as well. So that's another reason to be super careful about this. And if you are a bottom- a lot of people have a lot of anxiety about getting fingered, especially if they don't know the person really well or trust them or they haven't really looked at their hands because this issue of fingernails is actually a huge issue. And that can just, the idea that, oh, someone's going to finger me that I don't know very well, that can cause somebody a lot of anxiety. And again, that's going to cause the tightening and the worry that you would really want to avoid and kind of co- counteract when you're going to be going into anal sex. So be super careful about this and realize that it can be a very anxiety-producing thing for a bottom, just like rimming can be for certain bottoms. Uh, if you right. aren't sure about the provenance of your fingernail, I would highly recommend using uh, covering it up. You can put your finger inside of a condom. That will take care of it. You can also put your finger, if you want to just use an examination glove, an unpowdered like, latex examination glove. Um, assuming your partner doesn't have a latex allergy. Yeah. You, use non, you might want to use polypropylene or polyisoprene, and non, a non-latex type glove. But ask question, ask first. But you can use a glove or a condom to finger your partner. And then that's going to be a lot less anxiety-producing and a lot less risky for the bottom in terms of fingernails and getting cut.
3: Yeah, um, fingering is totally fine with me, but a lot of people confuse fingering with finger fucking, and you do not just go immediately into any kind of fucking. Hopefully, hopefully that there is the appropriate foreplay that has you know that smooth entry. Start with one finger. Don't go in with two or three first. The bottom will not be prepared for that unless it's something they've told you they can handle. Um, Again, make sure that those fingernails are very pristine. They've been trimmed very recently. There's not overhang, because overhang is something you can't really control. When your nail is very flush to your finger and it's been trimmed recently, that is when it's safest because it it conforms to the curvature of your finger and it doesn't stick out, protrude, or have many corners. However... If it has been recently trimmed, it can create angles and corners on your nail that are very sharp. So at the very least, you should be, you're going to be planning to finger someone, file your nail. File it down, get all the hard edges out, because then that bottom will be very happy with you. Right,
1: um, yeah, absolutely, and again, the glove and the condom are great fail-safe, if you're not sure about someone's fingers, you're not sure, or you're late, it's late, you're drunk, you're not going to go trim your nails right now, whatever, <laughs> um, grab the condom, you probably got a bunch with you anyway, just use the condom, it's, it, it's totally fine to stick your finger in a condom and use that, um, and then the next, Cody set me up very nicely for the next transition I was going to make, which is talking about, okay, I'm going to be putting put my finger in now, how, what do I, what's my objective here, what am I trying to do? As Koji said, you want to start with one. You want the entry to be slow and controlled and gradual. Use lots of lube, just like you would with putting anything else inside of someone's butt. Uh, And then you want to uh, kind of get them swirling around with that finger, turn it, start out by just putting it in a bit, put it in a bit further, start turning it, feeling around. This can be a great way to kind of feel around for somebody's prostate if you're trying to think about angles for the sex you're going to have later. Because Generally speaking, during sex, this is a bit of a pro tip. You want to just kind of glide kind of adjacent to and next to the prostate. You don't want to hit it head-on because that's going to be too intense of a sensation uh, for a bottom. So you kind of want to figure out angles where your dick might be able to later on glide past the prostate. And by feeling around for it, you can kind of figure that out and then figure out with the geometry of your dick what angles you might want to use during sex. We're going to talk about that later. But that's one objective you have when you're starting out with um, the one-seeking
0: yep. Before you okay. go on, uh, maybe yeah. describe what the prostate you know, what they're looking for. Oh,
1: yeah, that's that's a good point. So if you
0: haven't ever felt
1: for your own prostate or you're of the wrong uh, sex to have one, um, you if the prostate is a kind of hardened uh, but still soft um, sort of uh, node, you might say, inside of you, it tends to be a bit forward, uh, kind of um, directly behind where the, the penis connects with the body and a little bit up from that. So kind of on the way to where someone's bladder might be, to kind of in the back of that. And so when you're feeling inside of someone, let's say that that person was facing you and standing up, and you put your finger uh, inside of their butt, uh, you might consider using what a lot of people call the come-hither gesture to find the prostate, which is kind of the, is if you're kind of summoning someone to come closer to you with your finger, if you put it in, up, and then kind of pull it back while curling it towards yourself. And that, generally speaking, the prostate will be at about a 45-degree angle when you're doing that. Come hither, uh, sort of gesture, but uh, it's going to vary from person to person. You might have to feel around a little bit laterally from left to right to kind of figure out exactly where it is. But when you do feel it, it's going to be a kind of little bit of a, a kind of little to slightly harder uh, feeling uh, bit that can kind of poke out at you. And generally speaking, when you touch it or hit it straight on your partner's going to kind of jolt or feel that really intensely. So you'll kind of know pretty well from feedback when, when it is that you're touching it or hitting around it. And then you can kind of feel around for the extent of it. And exactly again, following your finger back towards so you can get a sense of what angles might be pleasurable for your partner during the anal sex, if that makes sense. Does he follow that metric?
0: Yeah, no, it's I, I perfectly understand it. It's one thing that I would highly recommend is, um, you don't, kind of what Vera was saying, you don't want to just apply immediate direct pressure to it. You don't want to, like, I know some people like push on it. Don't do that. And you want to be gentle. Like, you're not performing, like, exploratory surgery where you're just kind of, like, jabbing at everything. You know, make sure that when you finger, you know, especially in this fashion, you're being very gentle, very. Not jerky movements. Keep it very smooth and very, you know, nice and pleasant. And everybody will be happier. Um it's the first time that I was fingered by somebody else. It was very much so like a almost like a proctologist, you know, examination where it was just <laughs> boom, I found it, bap bap, 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 bap. Like hitting it like it was a punching bag. And I'm like, No 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 no. No, don't yeah. do that, don't do that. So You know, keep things nice and silky smooth. Make sure that you're using plenty of lubricant. You know, make sure that everybody's nice and happy. And, you know, once you've found the prostate, you know, kind of just explore a little bit around a little bit more. And then maybe slide in another finger.
3: Uh, Yeah. Right. (laughs) With new people, it's always good to ask them kind of along the way, hey, do you mind if I do this? Do you mind if I finger you? And you can say it in a sexy way, like, hmm, do you want to get fingered? kind of playful uh that way you don't feel like it's out of place or clinical like is it okay if i may i please have permission to finger you it's like you know you can make it part of the play yeah
1: i say that on the podcast i mean on the twitter feed us all the time that you can do
3: that (laughs) yep um but the reason for this is some people don't and like if you aren't going to be asking permission in any way you need to be kind of going in slow motion you need to be providing people your partner with the chance to say, ah, oh, no, sorry, don't go any further. I'm not quite into that. So if you finger slowly, you can kind of get the feel. You don't have to, like, ask. And especially if it's someone you're familiar with, going slow is a great way to say, hey, I'd like to initiate this topic.
1: Right. And actually, one thing i recommend when you're going to get started with fingering, too, you can actually start with just kind of massaging around the uh, outer sphincter mm. and massaging the tail, a hole <laughs> or anus, whatever you want to call it. Um, tail hole if you're a furry trash like me, apparently. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, <Yep>. um, <laughs> you, uh, you can massage that and the massage is usually quite, again, like, like the licking we were talking about earlier with the, the rimming, um, that can be a quite pleasurable experience for the bottom. I know Koji really enjoys it. Yes, please. Um, it's an activity <laughs> I do with him a lot just, just to do it because he likes it sometimes. That, don't or, yeah feel around it in this case yes you know, but that can be super relaxing and then again that gives a person a chance to say hey i'm not sure what you're doing with those fingers but fingering is not something i like that gives it get another good chance to say no to you if they're not going to be down for the fingering you're going to say something
0: yep it's all good though um another thing that you can do is um you can put a little bit of pressure um on the area between you know the the your asshole and uh your other your dick or your the you know pussy the or whatever taint. The, yeah, to, to the, the grundle, whatever you. Yeah. yeah, if you put a little bit of pressure there, that's going to. For a lot of people, it feels really good. And generally, what I would recommend is you start there, and then you slowly work your way back. Again, if you're not getting expressed, like if you're not like, you know, can I finger your boy hole or whatever you want to <laughs> say. Um, <laughs> whatever <laughs> i know <laughs> don't say
3: that my boy holes. yeah
0: yes. I, I mean I, I, you know i don't know what people say it's it's i say one thing and it's definitely can i finger your boyhole um no <laughs> um, it's it's you know it gives people time to you know get relaxed especially if it's their first time if it's your first time you know it gets you accustomed to the idea of people being in the general neighborhood so. And if I am going to ask permission explicitly, which I
1: do sometimes if I'm not really sure about somebody or I want to make sure they're, they're comfortable, uh, one of the kind of more intimate, sexy ways I've thought of asking this question that I use is, uh, do you mind if I feel inside of you, which is a way, sexier way to ask than, um, like, can I finger you? Like, it's not really not really <laughs> the way you want to, to do that. And I think if you're, you know, if you're kind of pawing at someone's hole while staring them in the eyes and say it in a sexy voice – that can really get someone going. If you deliver it in that kind of monotone that I just did, it's probably going to get a much less positive reaction in terms of uh, erotic nature. Oh, and if you're licking your lips yeah. seductively and, and then plus kind of 10 you points. kind of hiss a little bit. Oh. <laughs> see,
0: typically what I do all is delivery. Yeah. See, typically what I do is I put my finger, you know, down there just right on the hole and I just look at them and say, "May I?" Oh, and that, yeah. And that's good. Yeah. I like that one too. And that's good. You know, that way you avoid, like, you know, clinical, like, you know, are you prepared to engage in digital intercourse? You know, that's, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And it's much more like, may I? And if they say yes, then go ahead. Make sure that your finger is prepared, lubricated. If you're using any kind of, like, a glove or a condom, you can get that prepared. You know, obviously, you don't want to prepare before you go there. That way, <laughs> you don't want to, like, lube up your finger and then, like, can I? And then you're like, well, I just did all this for nothing. You know, make sure you get... <laughs> Permission, or you know that they're clearly on board the finger train before you know you set sail. I guess.
3: Um, For you, Metrico, when you're done fingering them and you pull out, do you look them in the eyes and say, "Be well." Uh... <laughs>
0: Nope, that's when I give them the, you know, cab fare. and I close Oh, right, right. <laughs> like, well, and then I close oh. the door. No. <laughs> uh,
3: ball in a well. <laughs> wow.
0: And Then I have a pint of Ben and Jerry's and cry myself to... No, um, No, you know, it's it's there are a lot of ways that you can ask for that permission. And then, you know, it doesn't have to be, again, as clinical. Like, can I digitally stimulate your insides? Like, mm. there there's no need for that. But so you've got a finger and you've done, you know, you're pretty comfortable, they're pretty comfortable. At that point, I would recommend working your way up to two fingers. And, you know, there are a lot of ways that you can do this. You obviously just don't want to jam the second finger, and you want to make sure that it's also lubricated if you're using a condom. It's inside the condom. And slowly work your way inside with it. Don't keep them spread apart. Keep them fairly tight to each other because that's just going to ease the transition in. The goal here is to slowly stretch your partner out. It's not to, again, just finger bang them. You want to make sure that it is a pleasurable insertion. And once you're inside, maybe you kind of do an in and out kind of motion. You insert and then slowly pull out and then reinsert without fully pulling your fingers out, by the way. Yeah, don't pull out every time. That re entry does hurt a lot more the more you do it. Yeah, so, you know, make it a gentle, smooth, gliding, you know, kind of motion in and out, in and out, in and out. And then slowly, once your fingers are inside, you know, midway or more, you can slowly start to pull them apart, kind of like in a V shape. Mm -hmm. Be very slow with that.
1: Yeah, if you've ever seen a tool called a speculum, or you can Google what that is, you can kind of see the motion we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like salad tongs turned inside out, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you want to think about it that way. And uh, that can actually, it's like a spreader, basically. And that yeah. helps um, someone open up and can help with them to be then loose enough to take another, you know, a bigger toy or, or take your dick or whatever. But very slow, and just as much goes saying, be very gentle and kind of do it in a gradual way.
0: And with that, you can, you know, Go in and out with the stretching, you know, pull your fingers apart, push them back together. Start rotating your fingers around. You know, rotate your hand. And just kind of, you know, stretch them out slowly. It's going to feel great, especially if they really enjoy the sensation of being stretched. What I generally recommend, and this is just my personal like preference when I'm fingering somebody, I have them on their back typically. So that way I'm able to look at their face. And Mm -hmm. if you see like a grimace of pain, that means, you know, you slow down, you stop, you hold where you are. And what's really important is, you know, constant communication. You want to ensure that, you know, your partner and you are totally in sync. That, you know, if this is hurting you, if you're the bottom, if this is hurting your bottom, if you, you know, you're the top. You stop. You know when to slow down. You know when to hold back, because if you just keep going, it's going to, again, make sex just incredibly unpleasurable and incredibly undesirable. And if it's your first time, it's going to, unfortunately, sometimes scare you away from bottoming at all. So be slow and sensual and deliberate with your emotions. If your partner's in pain, pause. Let, you know, them adjust. Maybe they need to Kind of wiggle their body a bit. Maybe they're uncomfortable in the position that they're in and they want to move their body around entirely. Make sure everybody's on board and everybody, you know, is comfortable because that's just going to help everybody enjoy everything so much more. Trust me on that.
3: Yep. Sex is all about communication, it is a constant conversation because you are an individual speaking in a very intimate way to another individual and it's not something that you do with just anybody it should be something that you do with someone you can talk to very easily someone you're comfortable around because it's up to you to make sure that your partner is having a good time and it is up to your partner to make sure that you are having a good time and if either one of you is not having a good time the communication needs to improve because not just one person should be having a good time when sex is happening
0: that is actually the secret of sex the secret of sex everybody is it's not about you it's about you as a group it's about the two the three however many of you are engaging in intercourse it's who you are as a fusion yeah pretty much you're fusing you're a crystal (laughs) gem but your gem is your dick or whatever toy you might have so. It's
3: gone. It. that together, <laughs> and I'm never going down. At the bad, bad I communication. Mean,
0: I mean, to be fair, I think if you're having anal sex, then I guess you are, in actuality, going down. Um. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you so, cheeky, you bastard. <clears throat> I do like cheeks? me some
0: cheeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can go all night. Woohoo! Um, anywho. So you've got some, you know, two fingers and some people like to have a third finger, you know, that's not necessary. Two fingers is pretty good if you have like a girthier toy or perhaps a girthier dick that maybe you insert a third. And again, you want to do it slow and precise and you want to make sure everybody's comfortable. But once you've, you know, fingered for a bit, you know, maybe you progress to using a starter toy. And again, these starter toys are going to be nice, they're going to be tapered, you know, lube it up, maybe they want you to put a condom on it as well, you know, make sure that everybody's on board with how the toy is being used, but make sure that there's plenty of lube, you want to put lube on the toy, you might want to put lube on the hole, you might use your finger maybe to insert a little bit of lube, and then you slowly push the toy in. For this kind of play, I recommend using a dildo. If you have a plug, a plug can definitely be used. But you want to kind of get the idea of that gliding insertion, that thrusting motion back and forth. But you want to go gently with it. Um, something that you might want to consider if you are the top is letting you know the bottom put the toy in. Let them control the rate of insertion. Let them control how it thrusts inside of them how it's being used because going back to the idea of comfort levels if you're you know this is your first experience together first you know time you're having sex allowing the bottom to have control over this portion is going to be really great it's going to allow for that level of comfort to just be there you know maybe allow the bottom to insert it you know, toy for a little bit, and then maybe ask if you can take over. Maybe you put your hand on top of theirs and That's start the way pushing to do it together. You know yep. that that way it's it's a group effort. You know it mm-hmm. takes a, it takes a village to yes. train a butthole. So let them start,
3: and then introduce your hand and slowly <clears throat> transfer and take over. That is yep. a great way to do it.
0: And for a lot of people that are into like you know, dom subplay, that can be a really great way of taking you know control of the bottom and letting them know that you're now kind of in control and it can be a great way of transferring control, transferring, you know, the ability to, you know, have that anal experience be under your control, transfer it to your partner. It's a really great way to do that.
3: Yeah. that Um, surrender causes a subconscious chain of effects that make your muscles relax even more. It's knowing that you're safe in the hands of someone else makes you relax.
0: Yep. So, you know, consider doing that, but definitely use a toy, especially if the bottom, you know, if you're the bottom or your partner's the bottom, if they're a beginner, it allows for a gentle, gradual buildup. Just consider it to be additional foreplay. It's just using another object. And then from there, maybe it's time. Everything, you know, set, prepped, you're ready to go. At that point, maybe it's time for you to get your dick involved or... You know, for some people, they use a harnessed kind of dildo, especially if, you know, you're two females or perhaps you're uh, pegging your boyfriend and you don't necessarily have a dick of your own. There are lots of reasons that you can use a harnessed dildo and they're perfectly fine as well, so... Um, um,
1: I usually find that this is the part of uh, sex when someone's you know roommate walks in at a fur con. This is usually right about that time when some random asshole walks in your room and cock blocks you. It's like, I just spent two and a half um, hours prepping this virginal, beautiful boy <laughs> for the best experience of his life. And you walk in here and you need to get your damn con badge. Well, and no, I'm sorry. Just, I need yeah. to go get my ref for a no. piece of art. And I mean. it's just ruined. This happens so often. Guys I mean doc first. <laughs> is this
0: is this a subtle read on us at Furmore? when <laughs> no, it's a
3: read on every convention I've been to. Someone will come into the room.
1: Like and it will be right at that point. Yeah. Yeah.
3: at a certain fair, point um, you just get used yeah. to it. You're just like, Well, someone's yeah. in here and we're still gonna fuck. You know what? <laughs>
0: I think, I think when I walked in the room when this was happening with you, I just kind of went, oh, cool, have fun. And then I just kind of left.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted equip, you know, yeah. more power to you, romantic yeah. acknowledgement top to top, and then yeah. I was back to going to town. Yeah,
3: that's the kind thing about roommates. It's it. like
1: you are probably going to see something, and you're
3: either going to enjoy yeah. it and be aware of it, or you'll be surprised that, and maybe not like that it. That is actually so.
1: one of the policies. If you ever want to room with me at a con, mm-hmm. I do have a policy of, if you don't want to walk into something, then either don't come to the room or room somewhere else. Yep, either wait yeah. or go somewhere else. Yeah. You gotta. You're okay seeing that. Come on. Yeah, because wait. I don't have a problem with someone walking in on mm-hmm. me, but they better not be make a scene about
0: it. You know, that's kind of my general yeah. policy. Yeah, and I anyway. tend to be pretty much just like, "That's awesome! Like, like, give everybody a head pat, give everybody a <laughs> high five, like, go team!" And then I'm on my way to my own life. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's if, especially if you're having sex at a convention, you want to make sure. Maybe you put out the do not disturb. Maybe you have an agreement with your roommates. Like
1: maybe you have a roommate Telegram chat where you can post, "Hey, need the room for thirty minutes." I highly recommend doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that allows people
3: to schedule it out for increments Mm -hmm. of you know thirty minutes, maybe an hour, and saying like, "Need some alone time, guys." Yeah.
0: So, I mean, you know, use some common sense and, hey, if you happen to walk in on your roommate having sex, don't shame them. Don't make a big scene like, oh my god, like, don't, don't turn into, like, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> like, it's gonna be okay. Everybody has sex. Well, most people have sex. Uh, some and people, also,
3: yeah. don't turn it into a situation about mm-hmm. you when you walk into a room of people who are engaged in sexual intercourse of some variety. Don't be like, hey, nice, man. Hey, wow, Ooh, you guys look great. No, shut up. You're not part of that. At most, you can say, hi, or, oh, wow, that looks nice. But then don't make the whole situation a joke or a commentary on their sex. Mind your business, and if you you can even ask to join, possibly, (laughs) that's the only other thing you should be saying. You should not turn the situation into this big spotlight on you, how you're reacting to them having. Sex.
1: Unless, of course, you're an invited voyeur, and then you can comment all you want. Maybe even just throw in some belittling comments towards the top, make it kind of kinky, doing like mm-hmm. a subdom thing. If you want to go there that, that route, you're totally welcome to do that. But make sure you're invited first. Don't yeah. just don't just assume that they want your commentary.
0: Yeah, and don't turn into me. Like I have a tendency, <laughs> jokingly, to turn into Jack Hanna, and I'm just like croggy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The mighty, well, I guess that's Steve or one instead of Jackanna, but uh you know, the mighty collie in his natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. The
3: wild fox yeah. has mounted the collie. Let's I, get uh, in
0: for but, a better look. That's not the <laughs> order. Yeah. Don't don't do that. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I, I I actually did not do that, but in my mind, I was like just straight up like hiding behind a chair, just <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> which which could, in some cases, I guess maybe be sexy and kinky, but mm, um, yeah. uh-huh. oh, Bob, you're <laughs> <laughs> But you know, so you're at that point. Everything's good. The stars are aligned. The butthole is aligned. You know, <laughs> everything's the
3: tip is at the entrance.
0: Yeah. So you're, you know, you've prepared your dick, whether it's, you know, your, your own or maybe a toy, a strap on a harness, you know, make sure everything's lubricated, you know, make sure that you're practicing the agreed upon safe sex, like agreements. Like if you're using a condom, make sure the condom is on, use perfect condom use, go back to our STI episode to learn more about that. Enter slowly. I cannot emphasize that enough. I understand you've used some fingers and a toy, but a dick is a whole different ball game. You want to make sure that you enter in very slowly. Again, this is a great opportunity to let the bottom set the pace. Maybe you you know maybe you have the top lie on their back and you slowly sit on their dick and allow for yourself to slowly become impaled on it. it gives the bottom a lot of control to set the pace. If, you know, that's not the way that you want to do it and the bottom wants you to insert it, make sure that you listen to them. If they ask you to stop, to hold off, if they frantically start grabbing your upper thigh, maybe you hold for a second. Let them become accustomed. This is going to be an experience. Remember, the, your, 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 your anal cavity is very sensitive. So just take it slow. Like, don't force it all in. Don't jackhammer your way into the butthole, you
1: know. And on the contrary, too, uh, try to avoid pulling all the way out once you do get some part of your dick inside. Even if your partner mm-hmm. does encounter a little bit of pain, your, your first impulse is going to be to pull all the way back out. You're like, Oh, I didn't mean to hurt you. Like, let me, let me remove the thing that's causing the pain. But that's actually a bad impulse if you intend to continue having sex. And sometimes it can be, take a little bit of work to reassure at the bottom not to pull all the way out. I always try to comfort the, the bottom a little bit and say, hey, you don't actually want me to pull all the way out. The reason for that is entry and also re-entry are just two of the most painful parts of anal sex. And If you have too many re-entries going on, it's going to eventually wear the bottom out to the point where they can't actually continue having sex with you. So yeah. you encourage them. You might want to back out a little bit, if you, especially if your dick is a bit thicker towards the front. Try to back back to a, body, a part where your dick might be a little bit less thick, but mm-hmm. don't pull all the way back out because that's going to, and make that painful reentry happen. And, let, and encourage the bottom to let you just kind of sit there, relax, breathe. Yep, wait if, it out. If you're in a position where you can make out, maybe you can make out a little bit. Uh, if they're not facing you, maybe you just kind of give them a little bit of like a neck massage and mm-hmm. kind of just cuddle yep. with them a little bit. I like bit. cuddling.
3: Full skin to skin, full body contact is so mm-hmm. intimate. And it can really make you feel reassured
1: and relaxed. Yeah. But just let, yourself, yeah. let, let the dick sit, sit at the depth that it currently is at. Don't put all the way back out. Don't push any further in. Just hold yourself there. Oh, and yeah. let them get used to you. Yep.
0: Now, you know, once everything is good, you've, you know, inserted all the way in. You've bottomed out, as they say. And you are just good to go. Your bodies have become one, as the porn says. You know? Don't immediately go to Pound Town. (laughs) I'm being serious. Don't do it. I know you see it in the porns. Don't... mm -mm. Like, no. We're talking about real life here for a second. Sit. Like, just stay still. The bottom... You know, you need to become accustomed. You need to become relaxed and recover from, you know, full penile insertion. So relax and become accustomed to the idea of being filled with your partner's cock. Mm-hmm. And then from there, make very, very slow thrusts. slowly pull out and slowly go back. in. now don't pull all the way out. You know, as we've mentioned before, that can kind of burn a bottom out. So you don't want to, you know, cause that much friction, that much re-entry, it's going to be painful. You know, go maybe, you know, a quarter of the way out or half the way out. Some guys maybe like to just put the head of their dick inside and then go back in. But go slow. Keep it a nice, consistent pace. In and out and in and out. And then slowly begin to pick up your pace it's okay to move faster you just always want to keep in that constant communication right that you're getting feedback from the bottom or if you are the bottom give feedback like it's you know it doesn't have to be clinical like you know this is adequate this is adequate this you know like you can be yeah. like oh that feels good mm, yeah mm, faster
3: mm, yeah. And, and i can definitely speak to that mm-hmm. uh, a way that i signal to the top that i'm ready to start being thrust in and out of. I will get used to how he feels inside of me when he stops moving and let lets himself sit there. My body adjusts. I'll start to kind of move my body around on top of him and squeeze slightly as a way of letting him know that I'm comfortable with him continuing.
1: Right. Uh, and communication is super important. Uh, and I think you can get both physical feedback and verbal feedback. Another thing Cody likes to do is to kind of give more feral sort of verbal utterances when he's enjoying himself. And he kind of actually use English words when he's <laughs> wanting to correct something. So I can actually, <laughs> I, I, I can respond to how feral he is yes. to kind of determine whether it's going well or not. I have a way of pretty.
3: slipping into little like noises. They're ridiculous. But <sighs> I tell people who are fucking me, if I'm speaking English, that's a bad thing. <laughs> I should be making very
1: Foxy non-English noises. sounding yes. noises. Yes. Um, so that's one thing. And <laughs> going back to like the pace and the, the yeah, pulling out, pushing back in thing, a lot of guys aren't quite sure how to do that. I will say this actually does vary a bit according to how well endowed you are. So I'm someone who's a little bit on the above average side. So for me, pulling out about halfway is probably about the only thing that's going to feel really good for a bottom, especially an inexperienced bottom. You don't want to be pulling out any more than that or it's going to be a bit too vigorous. Uh, I actually often do it just like I'm doing like a more intimate type of pace I'll only do a fourth because, you know, that actually still feels pretty good and it feels really amazing for the bottom. I think the less actual thrusting there is, the more pleasurable it tends to be for the bottom if you're having that kind of slower intimate sort of sex. If you're going really rough, then maybe that's different. But yeah. um, the other point I'll make too is this advice doesn't apply quite as much to guys who are a little bit less on the endowed side. If you're only in the, you know, slightly like closer to average or slightly below average length of range of like four inches to like five, five and a half inches, you might be able to get away with going three-fourths of the way out every time. But that's going to be um, something that you kind of... That's actually a benefit, I think, to having a smaller dick. Koji you can speak to this. Guys who have smaller dicks can get away with jackhammering a lot more easily because they can pull all the way in and out without it really fatiguing the bottom. Right. Guys who are on the average to above-average right. side of the dick size, they can't really jackhammer their, their dicks in like that without really exhausting the bottom. So, well, And
3: for people with really yeah. long dicks, sometimes they hit that second bend uh, that le- right before your, your rectal cavity and they will actually need to stretch past that little bend there um, and so full entry from you know, being out to being in is something that a very experienced bottom mm-hmm. is only capable of handling. I certainly do not like complete exit and re-entry sex. I hate mm-hmm. it. In, out, in, out, no way. It feels way better when you get into a really nice grind where you can push back and feel your weight kind of bouncing off of them and creating a feedback loop where you're pushing back just at the right cadence of their thrusting that you're pretty much just using physics, just gravity, but barely push up against them and you can start to work into a really good rhythm without needing them to feel like they need to pull out of you completely. If they're popping out a lot... I don't
1: really like that that much. And the bottom can help with this, too, if the top's were falling mm-hmm. out. And a lot of positions, the top at uh, the bottom can actually wrap their, either their arms or their legs around the buttocks of the top and kind of pull them inside of them. Mm-hmm. And that can also help keep the top from falling out and keep the top engaged at the right depth where it's not hurting the bottom. Yeah. So if you're the top's also an experience, the bottom helping in that way can be really effective. You want to say something there, Metrico?
0: Yeah. Um, one other thing that I do want to mention is the idea of, like, a gentle fuck versus a rough fuck. You you want to be as gentle as you can be at the beginning, especially if the bottom is an experienced or even if you are an experienced as the top, you know, gently push in all the way, gently pull out, uh, you know, until you're comfortable and then push in and pull out. Don't slam your hips against the bottom, you know, especially at the, you know, first, you know, first while, you know, you can eventually graduate to a more rough kind of a fuck style. But that kind of, like, a deep, quick, sudden thrust can, you know, be a little bit too stimulating for a bottom. And the thing with, like, stimulation is it will either be very pleasurable or incredibly painful. So the body, you know, processes intensity in one of those two ways. And if it's something, you know, where everybody's inexperienced, the body tends to process it as pain so gentle then slowly graduate to rough don't again don't go on the express to pound town you don't want to go zero to six feet like take your time it's an experience you're having a deep enjoyable connection enjoy it you know savor it yeah definitely
3: savor it and hold on to the times where it's really memorable and good um sometimes I will remember, like, oh, I loved cuddle-fucking you last, you know, last weekend we did that really nice cuddle-fuck. I want to have that same experience at some point. You're allowed to ask for experiences that were really good, and you want to have, again. Other times I'm like, I need to get fucked, and it needs to be rough, because I have been naughty. (laughs) (laughs) Rough.
0: Oh, dear. So, no. I guess what you're saying is that we should wrap up recording, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. No, no. no that, that's definitely the, uh, the afterglow. I have to enjoy the afterglow of the show. That's how <laughs> recording But um <laughs>
3: 90 ta- 90% of the time, however, when I start having sex, I have no idea what experience I'm going to get, and I like it that way. I like it mm-hmm. to kind of build off of itself, and if it goes in a way that has cuddling, maybe the cuddling leads to rough fucking, Maybe it's just uh, you know, a buffet of all the different kinds of sex that you can have in the span of an hour. Indeed.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. The, the potpourri sex is mm-hmm. great. That's my favorite. <laughs> but speaking of how, what, snack pack. Speaking of what <laughs> positions uh, you're going to use, um, the starter position doesn't have to be the one you finish when you're having sex either. Uh, we're going to get into what different positions are good to start with and kind of get into the nitty-gritty of that in a minute. But you want to think about... If the position you're using isn't comfortable, try shifting to another position. And we're actually going to link to something called the Kama Citra, which is a furry take on different sex positions. Uh, it's a really great uh, graphic that we'll link to, and you can check that out. And that kind of will actually reference some of these positions coming up here. But if one of these positions, your starter position, isn't working, isn't comfortable for the bottom, or isn't really doing much for you simulation wise, try switching to a different position. You're not locked in the position you start with. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, feel free to experiment. Like, I know for for me, for example, it's I have really bad knees. I've had a lot of, like, replacement parts put in because my legs are really bad. So, you know, a lot of people enjoy the idea of doggy style where the bottom is on their hands and knees and you're behind them on their knees. I can't keep doing that for long because uh, invariably my uh, knee will uh, pop out um, and I'll have to, like, actually... Um, uh, kind of grossly, but I'll have to kind of put my uh, kneecap back in place and make sure that my uh, shin bone is also back in place. So, you know, the Kama Sutra um, is a really great idea. It's a really great um, graphic that can give you ideas. Perhaps if you've just been doing one style and you want to experiment, it can give you ideas. You know, sex isn't just about missionary style you know close your eyes and do it for england you know it's about having fun it's about again it's an experience allow yourself to experience different kinds but for starters there are definitely easy enjoyable you know starter positions almost like starter pokemon that are going to be you know easier to learn and train and get used to before you move on to some of the more advanced techniques um you know, going back to the idea of allowing, you know, the bottom to control the rate of entry. Um, you know, one of the best tools is uh, what will be called cowboy or cowgirl, where, again, the top is, you know, lying on their back, and the bottom slowly kind of seats themselves upon the deck. Think like a cowboy riding a horse. Um, you can face away from the top uh, where you're not looking at each other or you can face towards them at which point that's reverse cowboy or cowgirl and that really allows for the bottom to control the rate of entry and to control the like speed of the thrust the top pretty much you just get to lie there for a bit and once everybody's comfortable you can slowly push your hips up and kind of thrust inside of them kind of arching your back a little bit and that can be really pleasurable for everybody, especially, you know, if you're just starting out. That's a great technique.
1: One thing I will run against for the inexperienced bottoms, trying cowboy or cowgirl, you want to make sure you're bearing most of your weight with your legs so that you're actually not doing the insertion until most of the weight is on your legs. If most of the weight is on your arms and you do the insertion, your arms are going to get tired a lot more quickly than your thighs are going to. And you're actually going to you actually wear out while you're lowering yourself onto your partner's stick. If you wear it out while you're doing that, you're going to end up sliding all the way down very suddenly. And that's going to be really painful. <laughs> cool. So yeah, try try yeah. to be careful yeah be careful that you're supporting your weight properly before you do the insertion, especially if you're inexperienced with this particular position. Which, other than that, I think it's a really great
0: starter position. Yeah, you don't want to like whoops and you're fully inside me. Oh god. Surprise.
3: <laughs> Impalement. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, so, surprise. <gasps> <my friend. laughs>
1: yeah, so be yeah. aware of that. Um, But once you get past that, if Cowgirl, Cowboy doesn't work through the starter position, uh, other starter positions that you can use actually depend a bit on the shape of the top's insertable appendage, let's say. Oftentimes the penis if you're having gay male sex. So what starter position should you choose? Some guys have an upward curve to their dicks. I actually am one of these guys. So these positions are some of my favorites, but they also work really well for other guys of a similar dick shape. So um, missionary is actually a really great position to use. It's kind of boring, but it's the standard for a reason. And missionary is great to use as, to, as a starter position or just as a position if you have an upward curve. Because remember what I said earlier, Matrico, about how you identify where the prostate is? But I, I think use a come-hither gesture when kind of the top is yeah. facing towards the bottom, the bottom standing up. So that basically yeah. if you have an upward curve... Your dick is kind of emulating that come-hither gesture that I was talking about. So that upward curve is going to aim up at the prostate and give you better prostate stimulation using these positions, usually. So missionary is a great one to do that. Um, because of the geometry of the situation, cowboy or cowgirl can also be a great position for guys with upward curves. And then referencing a couple of positions from the Kamasitra, there's also the backhoe and the pendulum. So, the backhoe is kind of uh, what it sounds like. It kind of emulates that, uh, that, I, that picture. Uh, but the idea is to kind of put your partner on their back and hold their hind paws or feet so that they're kind of being compressed uh, towards them, almost as if they were trying to empty out. And the reason that position looks kind of like the position your legs would be in if you were trying to empty out, as Metrico was saying earlier with the squatty potty is because that really opens up the bottom to to, to take an insertion. And so that's actually a pretty good starter position. It looks like a really complicated, advanced position, but the whole idea is just to recreate that idea where the legs are pushed up towards the stomach because it it causes the butt to open up very naturally.
3: Yes, the bottom, you lay on your back and then you elevate your hips. You prop your hips up either with a pillow or if you can manage to get your um, wrists supporting your hips, you can kind of prop yourself up using your elbows. But it's to elevate your butt so that it creates that natural curve when your legs fold back towards your chest. You're kind of crouching, and it very uh, it, it very much opens you up for insertion. Right, exactly. Plus, so, it's fun to have them <laughs> bounce with your feet, and oh my gosh, they're like holding your thighs and pressing down. Yeah, like,
1: and if, if you're into paws, you're holding onto their hind paws. You can kind of smush your their hind paws into your face or your neck, if you like. And mm-hmm. if you're into hind paws, that can be really fun. Yep. But, what
3: I like to do is actually grab and hook my feet together around their waist. Uh, I will hook them with my
1: feet and use my own weight and muscle to pull up into Oh, them. that is so fun. Yeah. Koji is amazing at that at kind of a thing to experience. <clears throat> I'm trying try to see stars. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. I'm the only star you see. <laughs> yeah, and then the other position that can do that it's kind of similar in the idea, but different in the way it looks. is the pendulum, which is also on the comment section, which we'll link to in the show notes. And mm-hmm. uh, in that position, the bottom is actually facing the, the top, and the legs are being pushed into their stomach or into their chest by the partner's chest. So they're kind of hugging, and the, the top is holding on to the bottom's bottom, kind of pulling them into them as if they're kind of uh, carrying like a bag, a, a big heavy bag or something like that. They're kind of supporting their partner with their their wrists locked behind the bottom and just kind of pulling them Mm -hmm. into them. And that position also works really well if you are an upward curve and you're starting out with sex. Because again, the position of the legs and the geometry of the butt opens up the tail hole really well for the penetration.
0: Now, let's say that you have a downward curve. Um, You know, a lot of good positions for that are going to be doggy style, which we discussed earlier, as well as reverse cowboy and cowgirl. Um, Some other ways, uh, and Uh, would be reverse missionary perhaps where the top is kind of lying back and the bottom is on top and you're kind of lifting them up and down. Reverse missionary works really well um, for downward facing dicks. Um, You have things like a, (laughs) this one's my favorite, a horizontal mambo, which, (laughs) you know, I like, I like anything that's considered to be like a, uh, a dance, you know, term. And it's kind of, like, the same as, like, a uh, reverse uh, missionary. But it's um, where the bottom will kind of rest their legs on your hips and slowly thrust up and down. Um, and it, it, there's a lot of grinding involved in that, which is really great. And a lot of people really enjoy um, more of the grinding sensation. Um, another one is titled Lay of the Land, which... Again, I love I, for for the record, I love the names of all of these. <laughs> and <clears throat> lay of the land is where the bottom. It's kind of like uh, doggy style, except rather than just kind of looking like a wobbly H, um, the bottom is on you know their arms and their arms and knees, and the top gets on top of them and inserts inside of them, and then rests their body fully on top of the bottom. So there's a lot of skin contact. It's a lot of closeness. You can wrap your arm around the bottom around their chest maybe gently you know press on them keep them close hug them tight it's very intimate it's very nice and it hits all the right buttons Um, and then there's another one which is um if you kind of want to stand up and have standing sex there's you know one that's where you just push them against the wall imagine you know you're having them assume the position so to speak if you're going to frisk them and you're a cop and this is really great for role play where you push them against a wall and you slowly slowly insert yourself inside of them you know they're pressed against a wall there's nowhere for them to go and you know typically you want them to kind of arch their back a little bit Um, that way it's you know their butts kind of pushed out and then you can just kind of grab their sides and slowly, you know, push inside of them, grab their hips, you know, in order to give yourself a little bit of uh, leverage, some kind of a fulcrum to pull in and out. It's going to be really great. It's, again, it's great for role play scenes, and it's also just fun. You know, sex doesn't have to be bound inside of a bed. So those are really good for downward curves, but not everybody has an upward curve or a downward curve. Maybe you have... A dick that curves to the left or to the right. And with those, unfortunately, you know, there's there's nothing. Uh, the thing is is that most dicks will curve up or down. And if you have a sideways curving dick, especially if it's a hard curve, then it's going to be up to you and your partner to experiment to find a position that works for both of you. Um, a lot of people that have curved dicks, um, find that cuddle fucking or spoon fucking where both of you are on your sides and you're slowly inserting inside and thrusting in that fashion where you're both just on your sides. Maybe the bottom has a knee pushed up to their, uh, chest to give a little bit better access. Um, that's a really great method. Um, there's also one where it's kind of the same idea where it's, um, Instead of the knee being pushed up to the bottom's chest, um, it's called sloppy sideways, where they kind of pretzel their legs apart. They have a leg in the air and the leg stretched out, and it just completely gives you total access. And you can grab onto the leg in the air and use that to thrust inside. That can be really pleasurable, um, and I would highly recommend that. And even if you don't have like a left or right curving dick or appendage um that can be really fun and exciting and all of these really do work for any kind of a shaped dick it's just maybe your partner doesn't enjoy one or maybe you don't really enjoy one it's okay to experiment it's okay to have fun and it's okay to try new things out if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you won't know until you try (laughs) twist and shout (laughs) pretty much
1: (laughs) Twist the fox and let them shout exactly
0: Pretty much. So, I mean, you know, look at the, uh, the Kama Sitra um, graphic that we included in our show notes. It's highly informative and it gives a lot of great ideas. I know a lot of people have one that they print out and they check off everything that they try with their partner. It could be a lot of fun. You can make it sexy. It doesn't have to be like, well, tonight I thought that we would try reverse cowboy and then we would... It doesn't have to be clinical. It doesn't have to be super duper, like, boring. Where you plan it out a week in advance and you have it in your planner. Like, and on this day we're trying sloppy sideways.
1: Or you don't have to time out the progression. <laughs> like as if you're planning a choreography for the gymnastics routine at the Olympics, right? Like, right. That's not...
0: <laughs> right. You're not speed running sex. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the point is yeah, okay. the
1: Russian judge anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, in, in terms of like pleasing people, the only people that have to be pleased are both of you. And there will be times that, You know, you might find that you're having some running into some issues with anal sex, and you know there are some things that you can do to to you know borrow a technical term. You might want to troubleshoot your anal sex, Um, and I I know and this is something that Koji would be able to kind of expand on a little bit more. But you know, a lot of people complain about the sensation of pain, and they don't know how much pain is normal or at what point. Should they stop because the pain is just too great? Are they just being a wussy or do they need to top it out?
1: Yeah, and I think if you're inexperienced as a bottom, speaking as a top, I still kind of struggle with judging this for myself sometimes because I don't bottom all that often. So the rare times that I do, this is actually still a question for me because I'm not all that experienced as a bottom. Uh, But I think talking to experienced bottoms is the best way to get a sense of this. And since we have a resident experienced bottom right next to me, Koji, why don't you speak about this a little bit?
3: Sure. If something is causing you to feel pain initially with the entry, that will go away the less you move. If movement increases and they pull out real quickly and you clamp shut, it may be a while before you're able to get open again. And if they try to cram themselves into you again, it will hurt more. So that's one type of entry. Pain gets a little bit more dull and harder to feel the further it goes inside of you. Until you hit that curve around the top of your rectum, if you hit that, it will send a sharp pain through your body. So <laughs> you kind of have to get used to someone entering you at the right curve so that sex and entry to begin with is something that your body can handle, is used to. When Viro goes completely inside of me, what I like to do is just wait for like three full minutes just snuggle and wiggle around on top of each other and just that snuggling and act of wiggling really gets your insides to be used to something big inside of it so yeah that's what i would recommend don't move at first muscle relaxing takes patience and time it is not something that a lot of people can handle well if it's just suddenly boom 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 happening muscles don't have a chance to warm up so you need to stretch properly and it needs to be part of foreplay it can be fun
0: exactly um, mm-hmm. you know a few other things that we've mentioned um, you know there's the idea of long stroking or long dicking as some people refer to it where you fully insert yourself and then pull out almost all the way and then fully insert yourself again and you repeat that motion That, that can be
3: quite the talent for both the top and the bottom
0: Yeah, but I mean, sometimes, you know, people do that, especially if they're going at a slower pace. And, you know, that can be a little bit painful. So maybe try avoiding that if pain becomes to be too much. Maybe you move to, you know, um, pulling out halfway or a quarter way. Um, Long ticking, you know, can be nice and it can be pleasurable, but it's something that you... You know, if there's a lot of pain associated with it, then maybe you avoid doing that. Um, You also just want to use a lot more lubricant than you think is, you know, going to be absolutely necessary. Um, A good idea is, you know, if they're feeling pain, try more lube. You know, that won't, that's not a cure-all, of course, but it could be that the lube has gotten a little bit too tacky. It could be that it's a little bit too sticky. You know, apply more lube. If that doesn't fix it, then maybe pull out entirely and go back to, you know, some gentle fingering or using a toy. could be that maybe the the bottom is not fully stretched out or they're still a little bit anxious and that can kind of help out. Um, Sometimes it could just be that, unfortunately, there's just not going to be, you know, much in terms of anal play could just be that the bottom is just feeling a bit too anxious or the pain level is too high remember just because there is you know the beginnings of anal does not mean that there has to be the fulfillment of anal if you know the pain is too much you don't have to like grin and bear it if you just can't continue doing it just say listen i'm sorry but i just don't think i can continue um and there are other ways that you can have, you know, sex. You know, sex isn't just about shoving your dick inside of a butt or, you know, a vagina or anything like that. There are plenty of other ways that you can get mutual sexual release. And I want to speak to that. Sentiment.
1: I would like to speak to that just for a minute, too, because I think, especially with inexperienced bottoms, they can get really hung up on it. if they the anal sex doesn't work, like, the whole night is ruined and everything's terrible and, oh, my gosh, I didn't get my man off and now the top's disappointed and I'm disappointed. Like, if they are expecting it to, like, we control the entire pace of the evening that can be really stressful. And again, anxiety producing and enhance the pain you're feeling because you're not relaxed enough. Cause you think this is such a major event. I always try to tell an experienced bottom, Hey, just so you know, it's totally no big deal. If it doesn't like, I don't finish inside of you like that. It doesn't bother me at all. It's, it's really intimate and really amazing that you're even willing to let me inside of you like that. Like I'm really right. forward to it. That's awesome. Thank you for even giving me the chance. It's really intimate and I appreciate it. And like, mm-hmm. There are lots of really fun, sexy ways I can come, even if I'm not able to come inside of you. I can maybe frot with your thighs and put my dick between your thighs and a lot of lube that way and kind of just actually fuck you below your balls. And if you use a lot of lube, that can be really, really pleasurable and still feel like sex to the top and also to the bottom because you're stimulating that taint area really thoroughly with that generally. So that can be amazing. And that's called uh, intracrural sex, if you must know the technical term, but um, that can be an amazing way to finish if you have to pull out of the tail hole. Um, and then another thing you can do is uh, actually just use a lot of lubrication and kind of mount their their abdomen a little bit. So you're kind of just like cuddling them in the missionary sort of position, but you're, you're actually just humping into their abs. That can be a really um, wonderful experience for both the top and the bottom as well because they still feel like they're getting someone's dick pressed against them. They can feel it really well there, and you are getting the sensation of fucking something. So that can be an amazing way to finish too. Plus then they get to to watch you come all over the chest, which a lot of bottoms really like to do. So that can be a lot of fun. And otherwise just even pulling out and like coming all over somebody that can be super hot. I'll say, you know, and I actually did that with a partner just like last week because one of us got tired out and wasn't like any kind of big deal. Like we felt like we failed at, at having sex because the person didn't finish inside. It's just, Oh, that was really hot. Now let's, let's all get off. And that's our night. Like, That's not a failure. That's a successful night of sex.
3: Yep, and I have a much lower libido than Vero and our other amusing lion. So I don't always want to get off. Sometimes I want to stay horny because the process of not being horny for me can take a day or two until I feel like I want to have sex again. So sometimes I'll just go weeks without coming because, goddammit, having sex needs to feel good for me. And I'm way more likely to feel good about having sex
1: if all the right juices are flowing. Unfortunately, I enjoy erotic denial, so it works out really well if like match made ooh, in heaven. It um, is. yeah. But that's a very,
2: <laughs> that's a very
1: important point, is especially for bottoms. I think a lot of tops are scared about this. Uh-huh. Don't expect the bottom to just like come everywhere from you fucking them. That's super rare. Like really experienced tops can make people come hands free, and it's kind of this mythical thing you see in porn. Mm-hmm. But if you're both of you are on the more inexperienced side, and if the bottom's inexperienced. You're not going to make them come hands-free, most likely mm-hmm. the first few, like, dozen times you have sex with that person. So don't be embarrassed if you, the bottom doesn't get off from the sex, just like you shouldn't be embarrassed if you don't come from the sex. It's not a, that big of a deal. But the bottom uh, or the top aren't failures if one or the other didn't come just from penetration. That's a really terrible way of looking
0: at it. And just one thing, and I'm just going to talk to, you know, the tops for a second. Um, hey, so you've got, you you you've got off. Like, you've come. That's great. Don't abandon the bottom. Don't just say, oh, well, I'm done. And, you know, kind of wipe your hands and walk away. Um, Make sure everybody gets to the level of fulfillment that they want. You know, just don't, again, sex is not selfish. It's not about you getting to the finish line, it's about both of you getting to the finish line. And again, some bottoms may not want to come they may not want to orgasm that's something that you know you can discuss or they can it's tell like, you yeah,
1: it's, it's a totally reasonable thing to ask hey do you want to come like do you want to come after this like i'm going to fuck you now do you want to come at, do you want to come like it, it could be a really hot question to ask before you both aroused and listen to the bottom if they want to come make sure that you make that a priority at some point if they don't then don't make them they shouldn't be, having yeah. be forced be forced to perform for you that you feel like you did a good job that's kind of selfish yeah so it's kind of defer-, defer your partner's wishes on that
0: yeah so don't be as you know uh selfish lover whether you're the bottom whether you're the top just because you got off doesn't mean that it's over so just be very mindful of that that's something that you know I hear a lot of complaints about not, not with sex with me, but just in general, (laughs) trust me, trust me. You're taken care of with the red panda. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I I, I like to say that uh, I'm a top, but my muzzle doesn't know that because I have a good reputation (laughs) for how I finish off uh, a bottom. But um, yeah, so that can be a lot of fun for both the top and the bottom to make sure the bottom is getting fully taken care of (laughs) though. I will say just as Mexico said, like, it ain't over till it's over until everybody's had their, their fill. And just because someone's come doesn't mean it's over. But on the contrary, just because someone hasn't come doesn't mean it's not over. If the bottom doesn't want to come or one of you doesn't want to come for whatever reason, that should be respected and you don't have to perform like I was saying.
0: Yeah. Um, there is one other question that we do get asked a lot and it's, um, sometimes when I bottom, I bleed and should I be worried about, you know, a little bit of blood um, the short answer is it happens, like, especially if you're tight or if it's your first time, maybe you haven't bottomed for a while, a little bit of blood might happen. And that's unfortunately the nature of the business. Um, there's no real need to get up in arms. There's no need to panic or immediately run to the emergency room. You know, if if you've seen the, the rejected, um, Uh, Cartoon. (laughs) Don Hertzfeld. Yeah, by Don Hertzfeld. You know, there is an issue, however, if, you know, my anus (laughs) is bleeding. Like, it's pouring out and puddling on the floor. Yeah. Then you might have an issue. Um, That's
1: that's a major medical emergency. Go to the
3: hospital immediately. Yeah. Don't
1: don't pass go. Just call 911. But if if it's a little bit of blood just like leaking out and you see it on your tissue paper, like, don't worry about it. Yep. If you
3: wipe and it's a little red, Mm-hmm. that is completely normal i assume most bottoms i speak for myself definitely we have bled mm-hmm. and there's a difference between dripping out of you and oh you wiped and it's a bit red and oh yeah the drop hit the toilet water like you
0: know, so that's small
3: yeah. don't worry if it's big worry
0: yeah so that's why it's important to take your time that's why you don't want to just force yourself inside because that can cause major internal damage Um, A lot of folks, um, especially, you know, they see people in porn, people on After Dark Twitter taking these massive toys and they're like, I want to do that. And then they attempt and they tear up their insides. Make sure that you take the time to stretch out. Make sure you take the time to become accustomed, use a trainer set, take your time again Sex is not the Olympics. There's not a gold medal for finishing first. There's not a gold medal for taking the largest dick in the world, the largest toy in the world, the largest knot in the world. Sex is meant to be fun. And obviously, there are going to be ways that you can make it more fun. There are things that you have to look out for. There are best practices, just as there are with anything, any kind of relationship, any type of existence, you know, portion of your existence. There are going to be best practices you know take time enjoy it don't rush through it don't just jam a dildo up your ass without any lube you know make sure that you take the time to enjoy sex to enjoy the experience and to enjoy your partner it's going to go a long way in enhancing your sexual you know experience and to enhance the relationship that you have with your partner so Just bear all of that in mind. These are, you know, small troubleshooting tips that might happen with anal sex. Um, Another one is, um, let's say that you, you know, didn't necessarily follow our advice about douching yourself out. And there's a little bit of liquid that leaks out. It can be embarrassing. Just, you know, take your time. Make sure that you're fully emptied out. Otherwise, you can get a little bit of Santorum. So, I'll that. And if you do have
1: an issue where you maybe weren't as clean as you thought you were, and there's a little bit of you know fecal matter, matter like that comes out on their dick or something, like be adults about it. Don't don't shame the bottom if you're a top. for like oh wow, you were so messy, gross. Like be an adult about it. Just like go to the bathroom, walk, wash it off, wipe off your dick. Like don't make the bottom feel bad because no, no one wants to create a mess like that, and it's very embarrassing as it is. So especially mm-hmm. if someone's nice enough to let you fuck them don't then shame them because they weren't as clean as they thought they were, but they made a mistake. Like that's really shitty. No pun intended. Um, so that's yep. another big like, <laughs> issue yeah. to worry about there. And, you know, I think with that, that just about wraps us up. Do you have anything else on that topic?
0: Metrico? Nope. I think that we're pretty good. I mean, it's, uh, you know, anal sex again, can be incredibly pleasurable to a lot of people and it transcends gender, transcends sexual orientation, a lot of people enjoy it among any spectrum just take your time with it you know enjoy yourself relax you know have fun sex is meant to be fun absolutely you know, i know that we're talking kind of technically here but this is the theory <laughs> now go out and practice uh yeah
1: and i think before we get into our questions we actually have three questions on butt stuff that were submitted submitted specifically for this episode So that's going to be really fun. So we're not quite done with the butt stuff just yet. Before we get there, I will say that if, you know, thanks to Feral Attraction, you have an amazing first-time anal sex experience, please consider donating on our Patreon because (laughs) you owe us. (laughs) Put a dollar in my underwear, please.
3: (laughs)
0: Exactly. oh god that takes me (laughs) back to when i perform oh god (laughs) wow that was pretty much my income for for a while except it wasn't my underwear Uh, (laughs) people just threw dollars at me while i lip sync was up (laughs) but um so yeah we do have a lot of questions um we're gonna start off because we're talking about butts and that's my favorite topic i love me some butts so we're gonna answer but wait there's more. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah i'm just trying to think i i pretty much am like the billy Mays of assholes um <laughs>
3: 1995 for a great sex experience
0: but Don't wait for patreon but wait there's more act now and i'll answer the following question
3: and i will talk to you seductively personally on the phone
0: hmm. let <laughs> the panda ask the question okay fine sorry thank I'm you don't worry i'm sure he'll get his comeuppance later oh indeed (laughs) the question is how do you relax enough to get a butt plug out it's easy going in but getting it out is the hardest part for me um so (laughs) that's actually kind of an issue um oh i know it all too well believe (laughs) me that's why i'm laughing (laughs) so if you're using a butt plug uh something that you know i generally recommend is you Gently push out while you're pulling it out, think like you're trying to void your bowels that can help relax your inner sphincter just kind of make it a little bit easier for it to be pulled out um as a general note with um things like butt plugs with things like anal beads, you don't want to pull it like out like you're trying to start a gas powered lawnmower that's going to be very bad will cause your like it'll cause lots of muscle spasms and it can get quite messy so it's not a rip cord just slowly yes. pull you know gently <laughs> gently push out and you know just just take your time with it and it could yeah, be
1: you prefer to catch it too. It might come out yeah. with some force, so yeah, it's kind of like delivering a baby. Make sure you catch it on the way out. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you
0: know, sometimes, uh, again, like going into kind of like a squatting position, whether you're on your back and you're pushing your knees <laughs> to your chest, or on your side, or you know, I've you know, some bottoms have success just honestly sitting on the toilet and like getting into a squatting position and pushing out. Yes, um, that's
3: what I do when pulling so... the plug out. It is a balancing act. It takes a little while to get used to because first, what can happen is as you're pulling it out, you push a little too hard and suddenly, whoop, well, BAM! This thing is like out the airlock. It shoots out of you. And if you don't have your hand in the right place, that thing is either going into the toilet or it is going onto the floor, neither of which you want them in or on. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: very much So,
3: so what yeah. I do is I push slightly, but I don't let it shoot out. I push back with my hand. I keep it in place and I very carefully allow my body to push it out further without really putting, without trying to pull. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pulling it can hurt. Let your body push it out, but keep your hand behind you so that you can catch it and keep it from shooting and ricocheting around the room and hitting you in the head. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah, you you want to release it as if you're having a bowel movement, not to make it super romantic sounding, but it's, you know, push out as if you were having a bowel movement. That's kind of, people forget they can do that when they're playing with toys sometimes. But yeah, just basically poop and it'll come out. (laughs) It will go.
0: And there is one thing that I do just kind of want to reference with any kind of anal play. Um, Sometimes you will push some air in. When you pull out a toy, when you pull out a dick, whatever it is, you might, you might have a little bit of flatulence. You might be farting a little bit. That happens. Don't worry about it. Um,
1: Again, being an adult about it through really the top. Don't make fun of yeah. the bottom for making a noise. Like, be an adult. Yeah. You're having sex. Like, be an yeah. adult.
3: About 30 minutes after I have sex, I always go to the bathroom by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's not enough. People will hear whatever opera your ass is (laughs) singing
1: (laughs) but again if you're the top who had the joy of just being inside of that person maybe be polite about it because they gave you a bit of a privilege there be proud
3: they allowed you to pump that much air into them while you fucked that's how that's a song of love my friend (laughs) and sometimes
0: this can happen during sex if you're um you're topping a female sometimes you can you know press you know a little bit sharper than you intended and there can be a little bit of like a queef as they're called Mm -hmm. you know don't make fun of your partner it's natural you know as long as everybody's having a good time hey who cares you know their bodies (laughs) they're gross anyway (laughs) i'm just kidding Everybody's awesome. So, <laughs> are so gross. Gross.
3: Yes, but they're gross. also a lot of fun. Yes,
0: <laughs> So, you know, that's probably the easiest way to get a butt plug out. Um, any kind of toy, just relax and gently push out, you know, and don't force it out. Like, um, it could also be, maybe you need to maybe step down to a smaller size butt plug. It could be that maybe you're going for something a little bit too large, something that you're not fully trained up to be at quite yet. Maybe you need to stretch out a little bit more, you know, consider that as an option as well. It could be that maybe you've got a trainer set and maybe you're not quite ready to graduate yet.
3: Yep. Also, squat when you put toys in. Squatting naturally opens you up and relaxes the muscles around your anus that would otherwise prevent you from putting your toy in.
1: And going back mm-hmm. out works the same way. Yep. So squat to get it out too. i kind of like delivering a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta squat.
0: Get out the column, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So our next question is also on the topic of butt stuff, and it's kind of uh, a, a themed question. I'm going to add a little bit to it as well that wasn't actually mentioned at first. So uh, is alcohol or weed a good idea with butt stuff? It'll make you more relaxed, the questioner says, but does it have the potential to get you to ignore pain? And the questioner did not mention poppers. I'm going to lump them in here as well because it's kind of a general topic of should I use substances to relax for sex, Is that a good idea or can it get me to ignore pain? I'm going to take that kind of individually, starting with the poppers. Um, They just work as uh, as a muscle relaxant, really. They don't give you all that much of a high or a euphoria necessarily. And if they are, you're probably doing way too much because then you're killing brain cells, so don't do that. But if you're just using them as a relaxant, my problem with them is they do relax the muscle, but it's kind of an artificial thing, and you can actually become dependent on that relaxation that you're getting artificially. So that when it comes time to have sex, and you don't have the poppers, now you can't really get loose enough without yep. having the substance in you. So It
3: becomes a part of your ritual, so you expect it and you can't really get into sex if you don't have it.
1: Right, and it can even be a psychological thing too, where you just yep. make that association. So, so I don't, don't really recommend doing the poppers in particular. Hi. With, uh,
0: yes, Panda? Hi. So I'm going to kind of speak a little bit um, to our younger generation. So, poppers. <laughs> <laughs> you might not have heard of them. Poppers are a little bit of an older kind of thing; they're still around. But so, poppers are tape cleaner. They were used to clean the tapes of VHS. Um, you know, you might remember a VCR. I don't know. Some of you might not have ever seen one before. They're small little bottles. They look kind of like what a five-hour energy drink. You know, that same size, that same shape, and you just kind of do a quick inhale. It's it's a you huff it. And it gives a little bit of a head high to where your muscles relax. You don't easily feel pain. And a lot of people, especially in the 80s, the 90s, and even now, use them as an aid to anal sex. Um, so when we refer to poppers, that's what they are. You can find them in sex shops and all sorts of other things. If you've ever heard of people looking for, like, tape cleaner, that's what it is. So yes. just letting you know, because uh, <laughs> poppers yeah. are kind of... I don't want to say that they're archaic, but you it's know, easy
1: to abuse, and it's not quite a history lesson because, like, people my age still know what they are. But I think, yeah, definitely, good point, Metrica, that people like in the generation below us, like the eight, like eighteen and up crowd right now, might not have encountered poppers quite so much. But I will say, even at Furcons, I've still kind of seen them around. So, yep. you know, it's not qu- it's not quite a history lesson at this point. If someone offers them to you, um, you know, don't feel obligated. I actually once. I'm like the man for all the terrible bottoming experiences. The second time I bottomed was for a guy I met when I was in New York. And uh, he, actually, he was already topping me at the point where he suddenly thrust top, uh, poppers into my nose and asked me to huff while he was topping me. I'm like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. While, while he was inside of me, he does this. <laughs> I'm like, oh dear, whoa, this, this, this just became not cool. So that was probably yeah, the closest thing to rape that I think I've ever felt. And that was yuck. No, not good. So, also, don't thrust them on a the bottom. If the bottom like doesn't want it to do poppers, really, don't do that. That's, That's
3: a conversation that needs to happen yeah. before you yep. present
1: it. Yep. To yeah, very much so.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they're not good for you. They're, like, they're really bad for you. It's, like, they can actually cause brain damage. So, don't uh, don't do that. And they'll I'm give just, you a
0: nasty headache after the fact. Trust. Yes. me. Yes.
1: So, just don't ugh, don't mess with those. That's not a good idea. Now, the alcohol and the weed. Um, both are uh, will inhibit your um, inhibitions, actually, uh, kind of ironically, which is good for sex and good for making sex happen. Weed is also a little bit of a uh, kind of um, uh, analgesic, so you're not going to feel pain as much when you're doing the weed. Uh, and, but the other po- positive side of weed is that it's going to relax you quite a bit. You're going to feel a lot more at ease and, and stuff like
3: really that.
1: However, weed can also make certain people paranoid. So if, it makes, if you're one of the people who gets paranoid from doing weed, this might not help you. But if you're one of the people who gets more relaxed and lucid and cool and you know, that sort of thing, I think weed can actually be a pretty good lubricator for sex. And you can have pretty good sex while enjoying weed. Um, alcohol, in moderation, as long as it's not interfering with consent, can also be good for both bottoms and tops, because for the top, it's going to make them last a bit longer. If they don't drink too excess, it's just gonna make them a bit more dead in, in, in their feelings. So they're going to last longer and have longer, more enjoyable sex for that reason. And with the bottom, it can reduce a bit of pain and make them a bit more relaxed as well. But you don't want to overdo it to the point where the bottom is now blackout drunk, can't properly consent, that sort of thing. So with alcohol, you have to be very careful about consent issues. With weed, spoken to major excess, you do as well. But I think you know, alcohol in extreme moderation or weed in moderation could be, can be actually pretty good accessories to having sex. But you don't, again, become reliant on it. Do you have a different take on that, Metrica? Um, well, I
3: had something to add. Go ahead, Gogi. Alcohol is a lot easier to abuse in a very negative way than I think getting high is. Um, when you're smoking, there's only a certain point that you can get high. You can get really, really high. But once you learn how to be high effectively and still get things done... Um, you're, you're pretty good. No, no size of a bong hit will phase you at a certain point. Um, alcohol, however, there comes a point where you have had too much to drink and you will be throwing up in a toilet. You will be not remembering things properly. You will be doing things that you really did not intend to do. Oh, both of these, by the way, should never be done while driving. Do not ever be high or drunk when you are driving. That is the stupidest thing you can possibly do Mm -hmm. Um, to your family, to your friends, to the people who you affect while you're in a car and inebriated.
1: Welcome to our fad meeting, Foxes Against Drunk Driving. Oh,
3: (laughs) do do not inebriate yourself and put yourself into the world where other people have to deal with you. Mm -hmm. Or you can become someone's emergency that they did not want to handle. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so that's definitely one, another take on it. That's a good general piece of advice. But if you do use them as a social lubricant or just a sexual mm-hmm. lubricant, uh, also use lubricant. Don't forget that, just because yeah. you're drunk or high. <laughs> but um, if you want to use them in, in moderation, I think that can be okay, yeah. in, my, in our opinion. But what do you think, Metrico?
0: So there are two things that I want to say. Um, one, some people do find it difficult to maintain an erection if they drink alcohol. You know, It could be for whatever reason. Uh, make sure that if you are going that route that you are not one of them maybe you want to try it out a little bit ahead of time Um, again social drinking shouldn't be an issue but if you are just doing shot after shot after shot after shot you might have some issues so just bear that in mind some people do experience that issue the second thing is we're going to talk about the way that you consume alcohol Um, in keeping with you know fads against fads um so there's this um current fad at least within the past few years where people will put vodka or some kind of an alcohol inside of an enema and they will basically um and like flood their asshole with with alcohol typically vodka don't do that it's very dangerous it leads to like Alcohol poisoning very quickly. It can damage the interior of your anal cavity. Don't do that. If you're gonna drink alcohol, drink it with your mouth, not with your butthole. Um that's really all that I have to say on that. Um I've known people that have done like I think they call it anal chugging or something like that's one of the terms I've heard about it. Don't do that. It's very dangerous, it can end very poorly for you. I know that it's like it gets you drunk quicker, but just don't do it. And for most other drugs, don't have sex on them. It's you shouldn't really ever mix drugs and sex. That's just a bad idea in general. But if you are going to, make sure that you do them in moderation, and make sure that you're not putting anybody at any danger or at risk of harm, and that everybody is in full control of their faculties, uh, mental faculties. You know, you don't want to ever run into an issue of consent. You don't want to ever run into an issue of potentially hurting somebody, you know, whether it's, an, you know, even if it's unintentional, you know, make sure that everybody is on board and everybody's in control. So that's really my take on it. You don't want to become addicted to the idea of, well, I'm going to have some weed and have some sex because then you'll associate weed with sex. It's, it's, you know, you'll start to have Pavlovian responses or maybe I can only really enjoy sex while I'm high or drunk or using poppers again it goes back to the idea of mental addiction so don't fall into that trap a lot of people do and it takes a very long time to break you of it
3: yep you should focus on finding a way to enjoy sex without being inebriated before you mix that into the equation yeah, and use that's... it as a special occasion
1: yeah exactly that's a very really good mm-hmm. advice don't, don't don't jump to that first
3: yeah And I would not recommend
1: doing it every
3: single night. Like your brain can get really reliant Mm -hmm. on every factor that was present the last time that you had sex. Mm -hmm. And if all you ever do is have sex when you're high, well, you won't be able to when you're not, if you can't appreciate it anymore.
0: Yep. Um, So moving on to our last butt question. Um, I'm a sub straight female wolf and I love me some anal. But sometimes I find it hard to continue after I orgasm while being anally penetrated. I suspect it's due to all the muscle contractions. Do you have any advice for how I can continue to bottom after I orgasm? How can I get my butthole to be more cooperative? So um, yeah. um, I think there's an
1: unfortunate TLDR to this answer, which yeah. is have your butt sex before you come, <laughs> yeah. because um, This is a common problem for both males and females. After you orgasm, you tighten up down there. Your body goes into a resting state. You're not aroused by it anymore, so the pleasure is far reduced. And the pleasure-to-pain ratio is now off, so that all the anal sex stimulation that normally feels good to you now suddenly feels painful. So your partner's going to be thrown off by that because your pain threshold is way lower than usual. It's going to be not such a good scene. So try to do your butt stuff before letting your partner come. Uh, When I have anal sex with Cody, for example, I never let him come before I do. It just doesn't happen. So um, that's just a general rule. It's a bad idea to make the bottom come first. You're going to have a bad experience then.
0: Yeah. Um, That's really, unfortunately, there's no way that you can like tame your, you know, muscles into being receptive after you orgasm. It's, if you continue to bottom, it just becomes painful. I mean, so again, you know have your partner come before you do that's probably the easiest solution and remember or like,
1: simultaneously
0: if you do make the bottom come it's
1: very easy for, i think for the top to get off when that happens to so try to yeah. like oh my bottom just came i better finish because they're not going to want this yeah. anymore
3: yeah. and it, it goes there's to a, a point where he can detect when i'm getting on edge based on the way that i'm breathing and the eye contact and like he will line himself up really nicely And it's so nice to enjoy that at the same exact moment. It is. yes. Uh But it takes practice. You've got to be able to read that person and know what's happening.
0: Right. And again, remember that, you know, just because you enjoy bottoming because or you enjoy being a sub, it doesn't mean that the top has to get off inside of your asshole for it to be successful sex. Um, If you happen to orgasm, let's say that, you know, he hits just the right spot and you're just like, oh, and then. It's just a no-go for the asshole from that point on. It's too tight. It's just too painful. I mean, the top, you know, as, as a top, like, there are other ways for me to get off. You know, getting off inside of a bottom is not a requirement for me to have successful A-plus sex. So
3: yeah. And just like know. relationships, it's not always about the duration of the relationship, but how great the relationship was while you were part of it. Sex is exactly that.
0: precisely that so you know just make sure that um you know you have that in mind you know that there is an issue that you experience when it comes to orgasming uh, to orgasming and then not being able to bottom the good news is that pretty much everybody shares that with you the bad news is that there's really nothing that can't be done Um, there's no kind of training no kind of toy Uh, it's 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 just best not to force your body to become accommodating to that level of pain you don't want to raise the thresholds that much because then you might miss warning signs when something is actually wrong so and you might start cool. developing
3: resentment and not communicating properly uh-huh. you should always communicate that you want something it shouldn't always be about well i don't really want sex right now but i guess i will right. and then you feel bad about it and maybe it becomes a regret scenario yeah
1: so koji and i have a system where he'll just tell me here i'm getting pretty tired and i know that that means that i hit his pain threshold and then I just pull out and we can finish in a different way. It's not a big deal. It's not like I resent him for that. But yeah. Koji is really good about communicating by saying, hey, I'm, you're, I'm starting to feel tired. It's not yeah. any kind of comment on the fact that I'm t- like I'm boring him or something. It's just, oh, his ass can't take anymore. I, I always tend to think that's a sexy compliment. Like, <laughs> I wore out my bottom. Like, that's kind mm-hmm. of hot, especially when someone has experienced Koji. So I take it as a compliment. I pull out and I jizz all over him, and it's amazing.
0: <laughs> and it's actually kind of good um, for a lot of people in DS relationships for BDSM-style Um, sexual encounters there's an idea of having what's called a slow word and what that is is let's say that you've hit that point where you're beginning to become a little bit worn out you know having a word to say okay it's time to kind of move this you know wrap this up a little bit that can be a really great idea (laughs) i mean maybe not bird noises (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe not bird noises (laughs) oh i i'm i'm from the east coast so i don't I don't know that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I need to see
3: that episode. <laughs> no, it's a really I, great I, one.
0: I have it on, I have it on Netflix, so I can probably watch it at any time. Um, I've seen the first season. I completely forgot about it until recently. And I'm Anywho, about enough about my Netflix queue. Let's move on <laughs> to some, non- let's move on to some non butt stuff questions. And we did get one that, um, we did have to condense a little bit. Um, and we were able yeah. to condense it into two parts. Um, Right. Yeah. I think, you know, we
1: wanted to you know, kind of honor the spirit of the question, maybe not all the specifics. So it's, you know, again, this is an advice show we need to be a bit more general so everybody can get something out of it. So caller or, or writer, we really apologize if we left out some detail. It was really crucial in and dear to your heart that you wanted to address specifically. If that's so, you can follow up with us privately, but we wanted to address kind of the spirit of the question and hopefully you could take some of the yeah. positive away from that.
0: So, Um, The question is in two parts, and I'll go through the first one. Uh, Well, first. um, I often feel like my pack isn't right for me, and I'm not right for it, especially after recent events. However, I don't want to go, and they don't want me to go either. I promised another departed member of my pack that I would take care of the pack after he was kicked out, but I don't know if that means staying, leaving, or if I should just ignore my promise. I often feel like I am the only one who creates conflict, that the others are fine until I bring something up. I want the best for the pack, and I feel like I only hurt it, and that is why I feel I should leave, but none of us want me to leave. So, I guess the question is, should I leave the pack even though I've made a promise to take care of it?
3: Mm, You need to have very close conversations to everyone in your pack about this. The hardest thing to talk about is the thing you need to talk to the people who matter about
1: immediately. Yes, I've, I've taught Koji that one actually. It's a yep. really important lesson and in our pack, it saves us so much stress and drama by just talking those types of things out.
3: Do not assume an outcome based on how you feel about it initially. Do not fortune tell, do not mind read. Cognitive distortions can keep you from seeing what people really think. You can only find out what they
1: think if you talk to them. Now, Coach, I think it's important to to realize there could be two different things going on here. One of them is it probably actually is right for you to leave the pack and you're just kind of feeling bad about it because you love them and all of that, but it's not really right for you. The other option is you're actually just feeling insecure about yourself and you don't feel like you're right for the pack through some kind of insecurity. Mm -hmm. If that's the uh, motivating thing, then again, communication is going to really help. If It's that second option. If it's the first option... Too much communication is actually keeping you in the relationship to an unhealthy degree because every time you talk about it a ton, you're going to be able to talk yourself out of it. Your pack makes you going to be able to talk yourself out of it because you guys love each other even though you might not be right for each other. So definitely communication is going to help if it's just an insecurity-driven sort of thing. I think you need some self-reflection to figure that out. If instead you really do think you're not a match for the pack for whatever reason, maybe there's too much conflict. Maybe you care about the things They don't care about. So whenever you bring up something that you care about, they just react badly. Like you said about how, uh, if you, whenever you bring something up, it creates conflict. Maybe that's because you care about things that they don't care about. You guys just aren't a great match. You might still love each other a lot, but you might not be able to work in a romantic relationship or a live-in relationship. And then it's totally legitimate for you to want Mm -hmm. to break that up. And I think at that point, too much communication can actually be detrimental. So if you think that's the case, try to make a clean break.
0: Right. Um, it could also be the case that maybe and this is an unfortunate truth maybe perhaps the other members of your pack are not at a maturity level to be in a cohesive unit this happens a lot of the time especially if everybody is kind of new to the idea of a polyamorous live-in lifestyle or if you're spread out where you're all in one polyglot one pack where addressing these issues can be detrimental because they don't know necessarily how to address them so you know if if Communication. if direct communication is not helping the situation, then it could just be, unfortunately that it's not a good match. And the best thing that you can do is remove yourself from the situation. Um, you know, it's, it's however much a relationship is worth saving. It is not worth like damaging yourself in order to save something, especially if it's not working to begin with. So just be mindful of that. It's, you know, that counts for, monogamous relationships, for polyamorous relationships, for any kind of a relationship. You know, if you're, I'm
1: mm-hmm. oh, sorry, i was going to say that's absolutely true in books for all relationships. There's one thing too, that we left out here and that's the nature of this promise that you would always take care of the pack. And, uh, I think we should address that really briefly too, before we get too far from that. I think, I think, you know, there's a way to honor this promise no matter what the right outcome is. And what I mean by that is the best thing for the pack is going to be both you and the pack maximizing your happiness. Yep. So that means that if breaking up is going to overall raise the pack's happiness and raise your happiness, breaking up is the right call to honor that promise. If, And that's taking care of the pack, in my opinion. If you realize that, oh, leaving, like for me, leaving right now would be amazing, but it would really hurt the pack. Maybe the pack, someone in the pack is sick. Maybe someone in the pack has some issue going on and you leaving right now would be really detrimental to the pack even though it would feel good for you then maybe lasting that relationship a little bit longer would be honoring that promise yeah, right. but that's with the idea that once things normalize and it becomes a situation where leaving leaving becomes at least neutral for them and positive for you once you reach that threshold of it being at least neutral for them you can honor that promise by leaving the pack yeah, but that has right. to come that has to be your decision that has to be i think that's how you honor that promise uh, and that's kind of where I would draw my ethical line. What do you think,
0: Matrico? Yeah, I mean, the best practice for promises is if it doesn't cause you undue harm or, you know, any kind of stress that goes up way far above and beyond. Like, let's say you know, promises are not ironclad, and the terms of the relationship can change to the point where the promise itself becomes invalid. You know, if you make a promise to somebody that, let's say, you know, If I were to die, would you raise my kid? And they happen to die, and all of a sudden you can't take care of their kid responsibly. You don't necessarily have to put yourself in that position to honor the promise. You have to do your best, give it your best effort. And it sounds like you've been doing that. Unfortunately, a promise requires both parties or every party to come to the table, and they have to come to it equitably and if they're not coming to the table and they're not bringing their best effort then at that point there's no way to actually feasibly you know keep that promise you've done everything that you can you've kept it to the best of your ability but there is a certain point where it's just not a feasible matter so in this case you know if you've given it the old college try then you unfortunately just have to let go um sometimes you have to let go of things that you just can't have and in this case that sounds like what this promises. so i would recommend just evaluating how everything's going and just moving on so
3: yeah you are an important part of that pack without you it wouldn't quite be you so when you're judging every part of the pack you also have to take into account that you might feel a lot better outside of the pack so
0: right you have a vote Use it. use it to do the right thing you know I, I recently started watching Survivor because I have Amazon Prime and it's on there and I never watched it growing up and now I'm understanding all the memes and all that good <laughs> stuff from like the 90s and early 2000s but like the tribe has spoken like... yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the
3: rejection phrases you
1: are the weakest link
3: exactly <laughs> you're fired oh shit
0: that one just makes me sad oh God. <laughs> so just spare that just a- fire that motherfucker well i mean they did he doesn't have that show <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but uh um, so you know that's that's really the advice that we can offer for the first portion uh, for the second part um the question is a little bit uh it's of a different nature and the question is a former member of our pack lives in the pack house as a roommate but doesn't really pull his own weight in terms of finances, household maintenance, or chores. I've considered lobbying for his removal, but doing so would put him on the street, homeless. I and the rest of the pack still care about him, so what should I do? So I
1: think for Starbucks what we have going on here is a false dichotomy problem. That's actually a cognitive distortion that we talk about sometimes. So the false dichotomy problem you're having is either things stay exactly as they are, status quo, or he gets suddenly ejected onto the street. He is now homeless. So that is, that is the false dichotomy. There's actually middle options here. Uh, one of those middle options might be you have a very serious conversation with him, and you tell him, okay, here's a certain date. This is, you have 60 days to get yourself another place to be because this apartment, we, we, need, we, need, this, we need not to be here. We you a date that you have to target. You might, so you might give him some runway to find another place to be. Before suddenly kicking him onto the street, as you say, and that sixty days is a lot of time to be able to find a job and another place to be. Maybe he crashes with a roommate for a while, something like that. But you know that's actually enough; should be enough time for an adult to find that sort of thing. Maybe you can give him an extension if he's really struggling, but you can tell he's trying. Maybe then, okay, you can have another sixty days, but you need to you know maintain this effort to, to, to get on your feet. That's fine to do. I think an extension of that situation is totally acceptable. But it's not this option of, oh, we do exactly as we are with him mooching off of us and being this leech, or we kick him out of the street. That is not, that is way too extreme to be thinking about this.
0: Right. Um, you know, you can also consider the option of, of everybody getting together and saying, listen, you know you really need to start contributing we've noticed the following areas if you don't begin contributing you know then we're going to have to talk about having you like leave the house leave the pack house that's another option you it could just be that you know some people are oblivious you know some people just do their own thing and they don't realize the impact that they have on other people sometimes by calling out that behavior and doing it in a mature way not you know like a tumblr call out where you're like this person is a shit lord um don't do that. Just have a cat, you know, sit down and just say, listen, you know, you need to start doing this. You need to start doing that. And maybe they need help. Maybe they are just very bad in terms of financial control. Maybe they don't really have a lot of knowledge in terms of budgeting, both time and finances. And so maybe helping them find the proper priorities could be an option. But that being said, and if that's not an option, you do need to consider the legality of actually kicking somebody out of a house. Um, there are some legalities. If they've lived there for a certain amount of time, you can't just kick them out. Um, you have to make sure that you go about it in the proper process. You should probably look up you know, local laws just to make sure that there's no issue. Sometimes you need to issue them an eviction notice from the landlord. Sometimes it has to come from the sheriff's office. If you have to go that route, make sure that you know what you're doing, because what could happen is it could be found that you're in violation of the law, you could be fined, and it could just exacerbate the situation. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. I would just start off with a conversation with everybody and just talking about the behavior. Don't do it in a way where everybody's pointing fingers. Use direct communication, but don't be like, again, you're a fucking loser. You don't contribute. You're a moron. We hate you. You need to leave. Instead, be like, we've noticed you don't pay rent or contribute to utilities or help clean up around the house or you know do anything of that nature you need to start contributing everybody here contributes and if you're going to live with us you need to help us that's probably the best way you can do that and if that doesn't happen then do give that runway for takeoff i mean nobody yeah that's that's the best idea
3: the middle class is widely
0: what uh,
3: the furry community is composed of and to support more than one person on one working wage <laughs> for many furries is a task that is incredibly difficult to do for long, crazy yeah, time. Yeah. Having someone have a free ride while you work your ass off every day is a great way to harbor, you know, animosity towards people who aren't pulling their weight
1: and whatsoever. I, I will say, at times when a mate is unemployed, like that's actually our situation right now since so we moved to Seattle, is... Koji ended his employment at the beginning of August for us to do our move so that he could move out here. And he's been unemployed since then, but he's not just lazy around the house playing video games. Well, maybe he does that a little bit, but (laughs) that's just because he's a fox. But he's super helpful around the house. He does all the cleaning. He's the one who's really been the foreman of the physical aspects of the move, planning out where we put things and unpacking and that sort of thing. So much
3: unpacking.
2: He does dishes.
1: He he goes grocery shopping. He cooks. (laughs) So, you know, when someone's not able to contribute in one way, like financially, maybe because they, they're unemployed, they, they need, need to compensate. Make yeah, exactly. Yep. So Koji, when he's unemployed, he compensates me by doing other things. He compensates me in the bedroom, too. So he's a very good fox. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. You need to make sure you're contributing in some way to your household. Um, and if yeah. you can't do that financially because you don't have a job, you find other ways to contribute. Ideally, you contribute a little bit in both ways, unless you have some, pre- you know, standing agreement that that's not the case. But you need to be contributing.
3: Yep if you're in an if you're in a relationship with someone, make sure that you don't allow yourself to become just a roommate. It's not always the best situation to be in living with an ex. If you've fallen out of love with this person,
1: make sure that's temporary. Make sure
3: that you're able to move on with your life and yes. you don't become codependent because you right. have nothing else to do. Exactly, and you just kept living together forever if
1: you need to stay roommates for a little while financial reasons or for lease reasons or what have you that's fine but you need to see see that as a temporary solution for that person they need to go because they can't stay living with ex-romantic partners and expect to form their own new romantic connections they're going to be kind of stuck in a stasis in that environment it will be really hard for them to grow as a person so don't let that become permanent or long term
0: yeah you know, just, just have that communication with them. Have that conversation with them. And hopefully you can find a resolution to everything. I mean, decisions like this, conversations like this are incredibly difficult. Whether it's a former lover, whether it's a former packmate, whether it's a roommate that, you know, is down on their luck. Sometimes you have to have these difficult conversations. And as long as everybody approaches it from a mature standpoint then it should conclude in as best a possible fashion as possible. Obviously, you know, don't take it to Twitter. Don't take the drama outside of the pack. If, you know, things devolve and it's messy, keep it internal. You don't need to put everybody on blast. Again, you don't need to call everybody out on Twitter. Like, don't rent to so-and-so. He's a terrible person, you know. Make sure that people are as best equipped to live their lives as possible. Um, you don't need to interfere and... You know, let them go about how they need to live. And you need to let people speak
3: through their actions as a new person because after they have learned something that was vitally important for their Mm -hmm. character to grow, they need to be able to prove that to the world through action. And you shouldn't be going around whispering words of poison in everybody's ear about this person you had a bad experience with. You have to realize that people don't want to piss off people who are important to them and they will learn they will learn to become better.
0: Indeed. And if they don't learn,
3: they need to be kicked out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that is the case. Like, if you can't learn from your mistakes, then you need to make your mistakes by yourself.
3: Yep, you don't need to inflict that on someone over and over again.
0: Yeah. So, you know, just have that conversation and, you know, be mindful of local laws, regulations, and, you know, if you can... Try to ensure that they have a place to go, you know, guide them towards that. Don't just kick somebody out for, you know, out of spite or, you know, any kind of negative emotion. They might not be pulling their weight, but what difference is them not pulling their weight for 30 days going to be versus kicking them out today, you know? so it's kind of a bad situation for everybody to be in but just do your best to handle it as maturely as possible that is one of the things that does come with any kind of a relationship especially when you live with friends with partners if bad things happen you have to find ways to gracefully allow everybody to exit so hopefully you know these helped up oh, there's a motorcycle. <laughs> Oh, my God. Mm.
2: <laughs>
1: Ooh, wow, we, got, we got That the, was aggressive! We got, the, we got the full meal deal, though, Ooh, Victor. A yeah. yeah, yeah. dose yeah. of masculinity. Yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, Ooh. man.
3: Ooh. <laughs> I hope you mm. felt that rattle through you. Oh, that I sexy. did. We Do you, that... you feel how big their penises were?
0: <laughs> yeah, all over it's, you? It's, that is actually the Compensation <laughs> model of <for the> motorcycle. <laughs> That's fantastic. So... <laughs> so uh, There's your Brooklyn experience, everybody. I get to listen to that (laughs) 10 times an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, with that, I think that's a perfect segue or motorcycle way to kind of conclude the episode. Um, You know, we went through a lot of material. This was kind of a longer episode, but it was an important episode because a lot of people don't necessarily go about anal the proper way, especially their first time, especially for beginners. So we
1: got so many requests for this episode. We got so many people wanting us to do this one that I thought making it a longer show is kind of appropriate.
0: Yeah. So remember you asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, apologies for the minor delay. It's um, again, you haul and the movers kind of dicked over, you know, our poor Seattle bound live fox and collie patriots you know, indeed yes. my west coast compatriots who abandoned me in new york city to be all alone um, that's right it's so <laughs> nice here <laughs> sorry
1: panda we miss you
0: they're not really sorry don't believe their lives oh we miss
1: you <laughs> we, we miss you we just don't miss new york
0: city <laughs> yeah i don't i can't blame you there so
3: what
1: a
0: fucking shit hole <laughs> so you know kind of on the note of anal sex on relationships on living with partners you are next week you know the topic for next week kind of plays into that it's how to have healthy expectations how to make sure that your expectations are realistic and they're grounded and you're not allowing yourself to become easily disappointed when they don't play out to you know full fruition we're going to talk a lot about relationships and love and sex and life and everything It's a very important episode because a lot of people just have unhealthy expectations and they're in a constant spiral of depression because they're never able to attain what they expect. So it's a very important episode. It's one that's dear to my heart because I suffered from this growing up. So hopefully everybody can get something out of it. If you have questions about how to set healthy expectations, if you think that we were wrong about anal sex, if you have questions about anything visit our contact page on our website at feralattraction.com. That's yeah. cool.
1: I'll, I'll stop you right there. I think coaching and I will confirm for each other that we don't have anal sex wrong. I think that's the first <laughs> thing I can say.
3: It rarely <laughs> ever happens wrong
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, There's a little side endorsement for our advice. But yes, if you have questions about healthy expectations, feel free to contact us.
0: Right. You know, it's we have so many ways that you can get into touch with us. Um, we do recommend that you send us an email using either our email that's listed there at questions at feralattraction.com or using our built in contact form. You can feel free to shoot us a message, but again, we may not get to it. We do live very busy lives. You know, they're busy in Seattle unpacking an entire house, and I'm busy in New York fending off motorcycle gangs, apparently. It's a very. <laughs> very busy life very busy and unfortunately we don't have the time to personally address everyone it's you know we do have our own lives outside of the show so please send us an email with your questions we'll put them in the queue if they're highly relevant to the topic we will include them like we did this week where we did a thousand questions so we do value your questions we do value your input and if you value our content you know please consider making a contribution to our Patreon. It's, uh, we do have several donation tiers, you know, there are several people that I get the pleasure of being ordered to hang out with them at a future convention. And it's going to be awesome. I hope we go out for chicken wings and mozzarella sticks. I don't know. I don't get to choose because I am compelled to do whatever they ask, um, with, with, with exceptions. There's like an asterisk and it's like no purchase required, you know, da, 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 da. there's an announcer reading a thousand lines of text at 5,000 miles an hour. Um, If you're not able to or you just don't want to, then consider leaving us a review on iTunes or on the Google Play Music Store. You know, that's an easy way for you to contribute to our show. That's an easy way for you to give us feedback in a way that, you know, we don't necessarily know who you are. And it's a nice layer of privacy for you. It also helps people find our content. If you value it, rate us high. You know, we do appreciate everything that you do to help contribute to our show, whether it's financially, whether it's with content, or whether it's with the ability to leave us a review. So, really, thank you guys. This show has been going on nearly for nine months now, and really it's a success because you guys value our content. And it may really feel like
1: it went on it. for nine months tonight, but yes, nine months.
0: <laughs> I know, holy cow, <laughs> this baby's about to be born. Yes. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, in deliver it just like the butt plug metric. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs>
0: there, there will be a lot of moans <laughs> so yeah I know dear god indeed that's going to be the nicest thing that I say just a whole bunch of expletives just <laughs> we'll record it for you don't worry okay. uh, <laughs> Yeah, Patreon boner. guys Or maybe for some people it. it's boner content I don't know yes, maybe. Um, She was
1: supposed so to moan for you That, that should totally <laughs> be a Patreon perk
0: Touch my knees Touch the other side of my knees <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: My sternum <sighs> What? <sighs>
3: Vero? <laughs> what the fuck? Touch
0: my sternum
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's my fetish <laughs> Oh yeah baby <laughs> I to so, my eye Look <laughs> into my <eye> holes. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> oh dear oh dear well before we get too out of hand i guess we'll wrap up the episode thanks again for listening and next week healthy expectations i'm metrico i'm gear the science colleague and i'm koji fox oh be well <laughs>
2: uh,
0: uh, did you have something to say koji no i ruined your ending and you i immediately did.
1: regret it you ruined his
0: you
3: did, orgasm. You did no. You, did,
1: you, <laughs> you did totally rip. cock-locked him. I did! God damn it, Kofi. I kept
0: sucking after you came. God I'm damn so it. sorry. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Fucking, fucking hell. Ha- I do one thing correctly during a show, <laughs> and here you are, and you're just like, I'm gonna fuck it all up. Why? Because I can. It's the delay. I swear. <laughs> There's like that. The mental
1: delay? Your mental delay? Yeah, the idiot fox delay.
3: <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna be quiet now.
1: Well. Okay, be well indeed.
0: No, that's what, goddammit. You did it, <laughs> it two, Miro?
1: Yes. <laughs> not the only one. You're a fox too now.
0: Um, oh, shit. Now I'm just trolling him. Oh, my God. Uh. <laughs>
2: Be well.